Blog Talk Radio. Use the 
But back to the regular scheduled program The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven At 11-11, emerge at the other end Of those meditation portals And elevated walk tools Even some abort tools Any questions, comments or concerns Press 1 To everyone else Thanks for attending another session I'm pleased to teach but it's an honor to learn Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are! Peace, 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 peace to you and yours. Peace to you and yours. Welcome to Nodalege Radio. You are now rocking with the best. This is your host for the evening, Brother Red Pill. Uh, not soon, but eventually I will be joined by my co-host, the Brother Blue Pill. He is in the airport in uh, route. I believe he's going to Phoenix, Arizona to attend the gym show that he spoke about on previous shows. I wish that brother, you know, a safe journey, you know what I'm saying, he said he don't need no luck when I try to hit him with the good luck. Say he's good. So, you know, I just wish him all of prosperity in his endeavors. Okay, and everybody else is out there. I believe that the brethren, <clears throat> Ross Ben, is also out there in Arizona at the gym show, you know, doing what he does. You know what I'm saying? Brother is the author of a book called Rock Ages, Dealing with the Power of the precious stones and the gems. So, you know, he's in a candy store right now. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, with that being said, I just want to say peace, peace, peace to the family. You know what I mean? Thank you for joining us tonight. You could have been doing anything else, but you choose to come join us on Nola Ledge Radio. We are honored who have you in the audience salute right um, you know uh, salute to all of our first time listeners if there's anybody in the building that just came to class for the first time greetings welcome home this is Nota Ledge Radio and you are definitely rocking with the best okay uh, class is definitely going to be in session tonight we have a powerful show Lined up for you, and um, <clears throat> I want to give it to. <coughs> I want to give a um, special shout out to everybody that joined us on um, Tuesday show. Okay, <clears throat> very monumental show dealing with uh, wealth. Okay, hold on, <coughs> get choked up, might get nervous. Uh, it was a very special show dealing with uh, wealth, um, fortune building, and empowerment. All right, we brought on our brother Michael Singleton to break down, fine detail, the Feeder Matrix program. Now, as a result of that show, uh, I want to say salute to everybody that um, <clears throat> answered the call and filled up our email, KTL Empowerment at Gmail, 
with their emails and phone numbers, okay, and they were showing their interest in signing up, all right? Um, unfortunately, the first night, uh, I was having some issues with my PayPal, and I had to straighten that out with PayPal. They, You know, they play games. So uh, there was a, tr- a few transactions that were not able to go through, so I'm going to just put it on record that we are up and running, family. Uh, holler back. Let us know, you know, everybody that's in the email. We are actually waiting for your reply so we could get this this thing going because the train is definitely on, you know, it's on the road right now. It's on its way. And we are, you know, we're building up this team. Shout out to everybody that signed up. Salute to y'all. You know what I mean? Y'all definitely made your next move your best move, okay? And um, everybody that's thinking about signing up, well, you know, this. I'm, I'm a phone call away. You know my number, 347-650-0150. We also have our rep, Michael Singleton, who will answer any and every question that you have, okay? So if there's anything holding you back, let us know. You know, let us know. We're very transparent in what we're doing. Uh, this is one of the most easiest and simple pro. Like after this, it get it gets it, it can't get any easier than this. I don't know what <laughs> what you would be looking for after this one here, but we've broken it down to the most common denominator: a dollar seventy-five to sign up to make it really happen. All right, so that's what's up. That's where we at with it. Um, I'm expecting to at least have 50 people by next week, okay? We, you know, because this thing right here, the show has been listened to a multitude of people. This is, they, they, they said they wanted something to help them create a new currency stream. On the show last week, I broke down what wealth is, all right, so we could, um, you know, demystify that whole situation and break you know, and I, I, hopefully I didn't hurt anybody's feelings by demystifying things and by putting the real, you know, the real, just putting that real information out there because a lot of people talk about that they're wealthy and, you know, when you really identify what wealth is, dealing with networks and things of that nature, assets versus liabilities versus debt and all of that stuff, you know, it's not about where you work or who you work for and your job and whatnot. If your overhead is... You know what I'm saying? If if you're overhead, if you're in debt and you have overhead and you don't have assets or um, that appreciate in value, like if you're not collecting art, you don't have jewelry and things like of that nature, investments, I mean, you know, you might be, excuse my French, nigga rich, but we're trying to build wealth over here. You know what I mean? We're talking about wealth building. We're talking about building up companies. We're talking about building a fortune. All right, and there's simple steps to taking this. So if you didn't hear the show, it is available in archives for your listening pleasure. It's called KTL Empowerment Presents The Feeder Matrix, uh, $100,000 in 60 days, no games being played. All right, this is not one of those, uh, this is not uh, a Bernie Madoff situation. You know what I mean? We're not asking you for any of your hard-earned income. It only costs a dollar seventy-five to get in. You know what I mean? So, like I said, that there's your solution. You know, one of the many that we offer, but that one right there is being handed to you by yours truly, and um, it's really it's doing what it does. Listen to the show; we got testimonials. All right. So, with that being said, I'm going to put that to uh, rest until next Tuesday because we're gonna sound we you know we got we gonna have to have bring another installment 
and talk some more sense about this money game because that is a taboo subject. That It's like sex, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't like talking about it, you know, our people especially. We don't, we're financially illiterate, and we don't like talking about money. We like listening to rappers talk about money. We want to hear Jay-Z floss and talk about the mystical aspect of spending money, but we don't want to talk about how we can earn money, save money, and create more money the honest way, hard working, the, the the way where hard labor is involved, or even the way where a network is involved, where there's unity, where the next man has to trust the next man, has to trust the next man or the next woman, and they work together and they make the ones uh, multiply, then multiply, and then multiply. That's the conversation that people just really have, uh, they're allergic to that conversation for some odd reason. But that's cool, you know what I'm saying, because we like to go against the grain and I see because of the condition that our people are in, you know, we need to have that conversation. You know what I mean? We really need to have that conversation. We need to ruffle some feathers and we need to ask questions and we need to demand answers and we got to, you know, make sense. You know what I mean? We have to talk sense to, you know, we just have to be very sensible about what's really going on and then act upon that. Okay? So, love and light. You know what I mean? I say that in all sincerity. So, with that being said, um, very uh, exciting weekend. We have the Super Bowl this weekend. Shout out to everybody who participates in that right there. Shout out to everyone who will have their pens and pads ready to watch the halftime show and will, you know, completely uh, crash Twitter and the Facebook feed, you know what I mean, help Zuckerberg and them. Uh, help those stocks rise on Facebook. Facebook, <laughs> Facebook. When y'all go ahead and tweet whatever you see, somebody might be wearing the wrong outfit, or they might say something, or they might put their horns up. You know what I mean? You're just gonna go ham. So shout out to everybody, you know, who's gonna participate in that. Shout out to shout out to the people that's gonna come up this weekend off that bet. You know what I mean? Shout out to those who's gonna make their bet. They, you know, shout out to the betters. Okay. Some some people might be in gambling anonymous and y'all might be allergic to talking about betting and that's cool, you know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about that kind of uh gambling. I'm just talking about utilizing situations such as the Super Bowl to basically come up. You know what I mean? Just doing what you need to do. Right? Yeah, play lotto. People play lotto for mega millions, but you're scared to bet. I don't get it. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, it's my, my dude Sherman, you know what I'm saying? I wish he does, you know, I wish him luck as well. You know what I'm saying? I want to see him do his thing. I want to see him be vindicated because they got him on media shutout right now. They, they they thought he was a buffoon, you know what I mean? If he was one of those brothers who had uh, a hard time articulating himself and was not well-spoken, uh, they have him all in the media still, you know what I mean? The cameras would be all on him, letting him just, completely uh, throw himself and the rest of the people that look like him under the bus. But apparently, because the brother has a head on his shoulders and has something to say, and he's not someone who could be easily manipulated and easily uh, tricked and deceived by this white supremacist and whatnot, he has been shut out of the media, completely ignored during this whole press run, this press junket while they're in New York and things of that nature. And they're basically just preparing to... uh, you know, get their vindication for what he did to middle America, you know what I mean, at the end of the game, and to the reporter who was standing next to him, 
then he got turned up and, you know, he ruffled her feathers. So they just want uh, my dude, uh, what's his name, uh, Manning, to, uh, you know, throw a touchdown pass on him so they could clown him, try to crash his stocks and whatnot. But we already know what it is. You know what I mean? So shout out to that brother. Okay. But um, we're going to get into the show shortly. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we're going to touch on the show shortly. Shout out to everybody that's in Brooklyn and Nicholas for our sister, uh, Angelic Artistries, um, her birthday celebration, and also her networking event, and also her product launch. All right? She has a very, very beautiful line of healthcare, skin products, beauty products, and things of that nature. She got picked up by Whole Foods. And she also got picked up by other another um and she's in China family. Like she's in China. Not Chinatown, but she's over there with the Manchurians getting her money, getting that guapington. All right. She's popping right now, you know what I'm saying? So shout out to her, shout out to her mate, brother Angel, you know what I mean? Shout out to Sister Cafunia who's putting that together. Shout out to Monique and Nicholas and everybody, the whole staff at Nicholas, loving light. Shout out to all of y'all, you know what I mean? Y'all are definitely leading, you know what I mean, doing your thing. Y'all, y'all really are doing your thing for the conscious movement and the brothers and sisters who have products and um, who are coming to New York to demonstrate their products. That is becoming the go-to spot alongside the National Black Theater, okay? But Navi needs to lower that damn rent, you know what I'm saying, trying to take people's money. You know, shout out to him too, but it's, it's too expensive to do things up in there. You know, Scientology all up in there. That's another story. But anyway, Monique, Nicholas, everybody, shout out to y'all. Keep doing your thing. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to anybody else out there in New York who has a space, you know what I'm saying, and a venue. We need y'all to step up because there's a lot of people that are trying to come into New York. They They have monumental offerings and things to do, but they don't have the wallet. You know what I mean? They don't have the budget. The $1,600 to go into the National Black Theater, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I do support supporting our own and whatnot, but for some people, they're just trying to do it on a smaller scale. So, you know, this is a big city. It shouldn't only be like one or two places. This is supposed to be a movement, you know what I mean? It's supposed to be something that's big. Like, we need people to step up who have spaces, like just rooms where you could fit a few people. You know what I mean? It could be 50, it could be 100 and whatnot. You know what I mean? Not no ratchet spots or whatnot. You know what I mean? Like not no piskies always or whatnot. But, you know, some places that reflect the information and reflect the lifestyle and reflect the movement where, you you know, you could bring your whiz or you could bring your peoples and they feel comfortable. It's not like in some uh, uh, warehouse or whatever and you feel like you're doing something illegal. So, you know. That's what that is. And um, with that being said, let me go ahead and see if we have our caller, our guest for the night on the phone. Give me a few minutes, all right? Give me about two seconds, and I'll be right back. Yeah. Check. 
Okay, I think we have our guest in the building tonight. All right, we're going to go ahead and uh, open up his line. Okay? All right, so let me read the description briefly, then we're going to go ahead and open up his line. All right, KTL Radio presents Human Domestication Theory. Very, very interesting topic. Featuring our brother, Garth Harvey. Join Nodaled Radio for an exploration into the science of humanity. Oftentimes, we hear people referring to Earth as a prison planet, but where is the scientific proof to support that? As a species, are we a homogenized being? Is humanity one big science experiment? How would one go about controlling an entire populace of people without them even knowing? Is man as is man as dominating a species as he has been led to believe? What role does the lowly earthworm have to play in this dynamic? What if I told you that microorganisms govern your perception? The worms play a huge part in the evolutionary development of all animals, including humans. That modern society is nothing more than an artificial interpretation of nature. Join us as we welcome back geometric scientist Garth Harvey as he introduces some startling new concepts for the very first time ever. He will be unveiling his human domestication theory, which is the exploration into how geometry, angles, and nature influence humanity since time immemorial. All right. Without any further ado, hold on. I'm to, that was a nice little intro. So right after that. <laughs> Without any further ado, I want to open up the line for our guest caller for the 917-7343-Peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-peace-pe
possible, you know, um, foreign influence within the temple mm. only because of the, um, I would say, ever since, you know, we began getting into this whole conscious community thing, doing the radio mm. show, doing the blog talk, doing the street uh, uh, the street vending, doing the mm. lectures, doing the uh, YouTube channels, you know what I mean, being interme- intermediaries through a lot of situations that people would never know about to go on behind the scenes to get dealt with before they, you know, hit the, uh, the, the, the web or before they hit the social networks, you know what I'm saying, absorbing yes. all kinds of pain and stuff like that. So I never really cleansed from that. I never took a break. Like, we didn't. We always was like, yo, we're going to take a break of the show. We're going to stop the show for, like, a few months and fall back. We, I'm going to deactivate my page. Like, all of these things are promises. <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying, you know, it's like the game keeps calling you back. You you realize how integral of a part you are to holding certain things up, stuff that people would never realize, you know what I mean? And, but when, you know, so I never really pulled out, and I never really cleansed myself. So I realized that the healer, you know, sometimes, and I don't consider myself a healer, you know what I mean? Like I don't I don't consciously go around talking about healing anybody. I'm just living my life, doing something that I love. I'm living it, you know what I mean? I'm not, I don't I don't punch the clock, you know what I mean? I don't I don't like bang on the beast at lunchtime or you know what I'm saying? Like I don't I do this for life. You know, I made a decision that this is gonna be my life. So I was like, yo, word, let me get my let me cleanse myself. Let me let me get all of that stuff out of me. You know what I mean? Let me let go some of the anchors that I may have in my heart and lighten up, you know. And you know, I'm still cleansing, you know what I'm saying? it started with the liver flush, but I'm continuing I'm I'm very open to all kind of concepts about just cleaning oneself. You know, just cleaning yourself. And it goes against vanity principles because, you know, you shed a little bit of weight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you, 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 sometimes your energy is low. You know, you're not as jumping and lively in the process. But when you get out the hump, when you get over the hump, and when you get your weight up, and when you get everything back, it's real. Like, it's not like you're just stuffing yourself and, you know, you're like, um, you know, uh, uh it's it's not like fake, you know what I mean? Like you know that you got real energy, you know what I'm saying? You, you know that you're living off of, you know, and you know that your temple is clean. So, yeah, it was a sense of urgency. And there's a lot of people who heard this message. So I know that when they get this information tonight, yeah, it's really gonna yeah, it's really gonna make sense because this is not about fear tactics. Correct? This is not about we don't deal with fear over here. We know that fear cripples one. Fear is a, mm. fear is a weapon. You know what I mean? Fear is a weapon against progressiveness. Fear is a weapon against you know uh, strength. So we don't deal with fear. We deal with awareness. We deal mm-hmm. with information. You know what I mean? We nobody's on the show like you know. Oh, oh my God! Like half crying and and, and you know what I'm saying, like mad, shaky and you know what I mean. Like ain't no shook hands in Brooklyn. We don't do that over here, you know. Understood. So we try to get know, to make. I, I feel you. I definitely right. feel you. Where you going? But what I will say to you though, <clears throat> um, before we get into it, is um, uh, when you spoke about worms and doing the worms. One 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 of the things on this journey that I've been on. 
that I've, I've come to realize, aside from the worms, because just as you just said, I've, I've gone through my own cleansing, doing the SABI, uh, uh, uh detox two, two and three times a year, SABI and my eyes at the fig tree, doing both of their detox. Because uh, every year I try to do like two of them, going through that, uh, the big cleansing pack, get myself right. One thing that uh, people don't recognize, um, that I, 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 it, it started to really become clear over the years, ever since I came back from Egypt, was that we, are, uh, we, we, we don't really respect our inner organs. And the disrespect that we have for our internal inner organs and how it functions. And I'm not talking about, okay, we're putting stuff in our body. What I'm saying is that all of those little microorganisms that come together that form your liver are a personality. And the kidneys are a personality. And not every single one of those things, although they're functioning together to work as a complete unit, um, may not even get along with each other. So that's mm. one of the things we never really take into consideration um, when, we're, when we're putting nutrients into, into our body and not understanding the, how our specific organism works and what we put in because now the body is fighting for certain things and some, pe- some parts of the body may be pulling for certain nutrients here, others might be pulling for certain nutrients here. So along with the worms, because you could get rid of the worms, but still have influence um, from other aspects of your body that may be pulling or wanting attention from you and not being able to understand that. So clarity and sometimes being alone, you know what I mean? I've had a lot of alone time in 2013, and anybody who knows me knows I've been going out. But actually I would say from the end of 2012, um, I, when I came back from Peru in the summer of 2012, um, I don't know, a couple months later, things just changed. I don't know, the energy changed, and then I started moving in a different direction, and I just had to change things around me and kind of contract a little bit on myself. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that to you, too. Just as you're doing these cleanses, really try to listen. Listen to the sound of your own organism and then you'll start to notice and feel what it is, what it's like to, to hear your liver, your heart. And people don't understand the heart. I might have to come back and just do something on the heart alone because the heart itself is such a fantastic organism um, in terms of geometry and the whole nine yards. Um, I, got, I got some fascinating things down the pike. But I wanted to say that to you because uh, you mentioned it, and I just thought it was important. Something drove me to say it, so I, it I just, I mean, just articulate that one time. But, yeah, um, if you're ready, I can start. We can get it started with the domestication theory. I know people are, are a bit oh, curious. Oh, let's go. Let's dive in. Please, All right, no doubt, no doubt. Human domestication theory, what is it? Why would someone even make up a story, I mean, make up, not a make up a story, but come up with a presentation called human domestication theory? Well, let me just go back a little bit into time because I want people to really follow me on how I even got to this point and show people how 
what what law is. Law meaning we understand 360 degrees and a cyclical nature. Back in the mid-'80s, my mother used to take myself and my siblings to Dr. Ben. I've been to several Dr. Ben lectures. I was always blown away. I wanted to be Dr. Ben. So after his presentations, my siblings and myself, we'd sit in the living room. We would talk and discuss what we just heard. And one of the mm-hmm. fascinating things about um, listening about Kimmet was how extraordinary the civilization was. So I'd sit back and be like, oh, this is an interesting, interesting civilization. So my siblings and myself, we would talk. And not only the sophistication of the civilization, but why were people depicted with animal heads in human bodies? That was, like, fascinating to us in the mid-'80s. And we would say, yeah, they, they probably were, they would probably put, those, uh, the, put the animal heads on, on the walls and stuff like that to intimidate people. So we always looked at the Sphinx as a form of intimidation because they never saw the pharaohs. So back in the mid-'80s, I didn't realize it 20-some-odd years later that uh, I would be sitting here tonight going from my biological family to the KTL family, the cyclical nature, talking about domestication theory. So here we are, once again, or here I am, once again, Conversing about domestication theory. What is domestic? Well, human domestication theory. Let me break it down for you and make it real simple. Human domestication theory is first when an idea, regardless of what it is, whether in the microorganism organ, organism world or whether a human being, creates something, an environment, and allows the masses to engage in it. Case in point, you mentioned Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg creates Facebook, and everybody starts feeding in, and they start adapting to this organism that he created called Facebook. So now Mm -hmm. Facebook becomes this huge monster, right? Huge monster. Huge. Now, what is he doing? He's starting to shape and add specific rules. There's certain things you can't do no more. And just in every system, it always happens like that. So the first step is initiation. You create it and feed it to the public. The second part is public consumption and adaptation. And then once people adapt to you, you train them to move so you can you, you train them to move into the next new big thing. Case in point, that's exactly what human domestication is, and it's been happening since time immemorial. Whether human beings or microorganisms or the solar system in itself. So, since Bluefield, I know he's not here yet, he was so excited about the worms because initially I wasn't going to start there, I'm going to start there this evening with the worms. I want people to truly feel me tonight on the worm and the importance of the worm. If I was to tell you that worm, the worm, Mm. is the reason why Kemet was called the black 
land or even why it's called Kemet, would you believe me if I told you that, that the Egyptian saints, huh? Most wouldn't. Most wouldn't. Look, I've had tons of these conversations with people. Most people do. Very few people who are on the same frequency, they vibe with me on it. Very few, made less than three, uh, three fingers on my hand would vibe with me. And those are people I talk to uh, more consistently. If I also said that the worm, instead of the cobra, the worm, instead of the cobra, actually, I'm talking about the cobra and Kemet. Let me be clear because I don't want to confuse anybody or, uh, or send them down another train of thought. The worm, instead of the cobra, should be on the headdress of the Egyptians, not the cobra, not any snake or any other serpent. If I said that to people, most people would not believe me. Well, let me explain something to you. The worm has been here on planet Earth for almost one billion years. One billion years almost. To, be, to, to give you a, a much more complete number, a uh, more accurate number, I should say, about 635 million, anywhere between 600, 635 million years. That, the, the worm is the most successful species on planet Earth. Now, the funny thing is when they laid out all of the, uh, uh, the most successful species, humans, they put themselves in the top ten. Not too wise to do that. Uh, humans, not the most successful. The beetle is more successful, which is the first pollinator, the beetle, very important, which is one of the reasons why, in my opinion, the Canetians used the beetle. Well, let me get back to the worm here because it's important that I explain some of the attributes of the worm so that we can at least appreciate its abilities Number one, the worm doesn't have any eyes. The earthworm, I want to be clear. The earthworm doesn't have any eyes, so uh, that needs to be clear. It breathes through its skin and has mucus on top of its skin because it likes moisture and it does not like the sun. It doesn't deal with the sun, so it needs to be in a moist environment. Two, it has five hearts, no lungs. As I said just a moment ago, it breathes through its skin. Another attribute of the worm that really blew my mind is is that they have an anti-freezing agent that allows them to go down deeper into, into the soil than they normally do. And if weather is too cold, this anti-freezing agent helps them out. The same thing if it's too hot. They go down further. So that's a fascinating dynamic or, or skill set. But even more dynamic, when we talk about alchemy, there's no one that can convince me. There is anyone greater in terms of alchemical, physical animal species walking, I mean, walking or crawling around on this planet than the worm. Case in point, its whole digestive system has a variety of different parasites, viruses, etc., microorganisms that help it eat anything, and then create the compost. Red, that compost is exactly what creates the black land. 
just like they say black people can reproduce at a rapid rate, the worm yes. does so too. The worm yes, is they very, <laughs> they're very prolific uh, procreators. They're hermaphroditic in nature, meaning that they have both, um, both organs, male and female organs. Uh, very few species of worms are asexual, and they can produce their own kind. But worms are very important. So now that we un- understand some of the attributes, and now that I uh, pretty much explained the reason why the black land was black was because of the compost that laid down the whole uh, 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 landscape for what was to come pre-Kemet. But when you go back in the time, people will pay attention. They, they will understand the worm laid down so much groundwork, particularly the angiosperm. The angiosperm are the flowering plants. Uh, those are all of the foods and stuff that we're able to enjoy now. And one of the things when I was doing this research that I found really out of this world, I would have thought that fruit flowering plants were older than like pines, ferns, etc., which are under the gymnospermic plants. Initially, that's what I thought. But unbeknownst to me at the time when I was doing this research, I found out that the gymnosperm laid the way down for the angiosperm to um, actually flourish here. So 600 million years ago when the gymnosperm was flourishing and uh, uh, the worm decided to come on to land, rummage around the soil, procreate and doing what it does, angiosperm makes its way onto the scene. And angiospermic plants, although I'm talking about worms, what I'm setting the stage for is being respectful to nature in general. This conversation and this dialogue really is about respect, more so than it is about domestication, although domestication is the topic. The angiosperm comes on to land. What happens when the land angiosperm comes out? They're competing. Angiosperm, gymnosperm, gymnosperm been here. They're able to, to move their pollen based off of wind. Angiosperm, um, they need to compete because now we don't really have pollinators outside of the, the, the beetle. The, the beetle was around during those, that period in time. But now you have angiosperm trying to figure out, alchemically speaking. Now, keep in mind, the way they're doing this, the reason why they can function the way they do, plants are really an extraordinary species. The, way that, the reason why they can be able to function the way they do is because they how they process uh, light, radiation. Light is the key, of course. Many of us already know that. But nonetheless, let me continue. Angiosperm is here. Over a period of time, they're trying to figure out how how to make it happen. What happens now? During this period of time, 100 million years ago, the bee wasp, now keep in mind, the bee and the wasp used to be one. That bee and wasp then became a bee and a wasp before the uh, a bee became a bee and a wasp separate once they ran into the plants because the the angiospermic plants created an alchemical frequency that attracted the plants a perfume that attracted the uh, the bee or the wasp uh, mix which was more bee than wasp. Lo and behold, this 
bee became, became a pollinator and went from a carnivore into a herbivore, the split. And that's how bees became what we now know them today based on plants, manipulating them and getting them to do their business, bidding, a form of domestication, domesticating and manipula- genetic manipulating what we now know as the bee and the wasp, which are two different entities. But what laid down the groundwork was the worm. Very fascinating, the worm. I said to you just a moment ago that the worm also was responsible for, I should say, wrong word and responsible. The worm laid down the idea for the Canetians in terms of, and the people who study Buddhist religion, in my opinion and based on my research, and this one was really fascinating, the kundalini energy that we attribute to a snake. Now, this one really blew my mind when I looked at this research. The earthworm is known as Lumbricidae terrestris. Repeat that again. Lumbricidae terrestris. That is the Latin name. When I looked at that name and I was having a conversation with my younger brother, he said, you should see, you should look at body parts and see what is consistent. Lo and behold, in our body, we have what is known as the lumbar system, or lumbar uh, part of the spine, L-U-M-B-R-I. Keep in mind, I's and A's are interchangeable because they're a part of the, what I call the gods, vow L's, the promise to God, vow L's. So all gods are interchangeable, A's and I's. Nonetheless, lumbar sedae, lumbar. And then I even took it further in research in terms of this. And then I came across aspects of our body that are called lumbricals. Have you ever heard of the term called lumbricals? Did I lose you? Hello? 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 Red, did I lose you? you. Okay, 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 okay. I wasn't sure if I lost you. No, okay, excellent. Now, I was saying, did you, have you, have you ever heard of the term or the word lumber cows? No, sir. No, lumber cows are actually, and this is the definition of them, they're worm-like muscles that are in your hands and in your feet. Now, that's interesting that they would refer to them as worms. Yes, they, yeah, indeed. You know what I mean? So now I have a different respect for what the commissions had actually laid down in Kemet. See, what the commissions, as well as the other civilizations that came to pass, they were doing, they were also domestication, domesticating. Anytime you have a civilization, you have a domestication system going on. Because civilization, all it means is those who live in cities, that's it. 
Those who live in cities doesn't mean you're intelligent, doesn't mean none of that. It means that you live in a city, and if you're a civil person, you are a city dweller. That's all it means. It's come over the years to mean other things, but its um, uh, inception means those who live in cities, civilization, civilized, civilized person is the one who lives in a city. So we have to understand exactly now what's going on here, uh, and it made me look at Kemet a little differently as well as Sumeria, as, long, as well as Ethiopia. Um, it made me look at um, uh, uh, the, uh, the Chinese dif- differently. The, uh, and, and the reason why I say that is because if it's true, when I was looking at research, um, that there was a group from proto-Sub-Saharan Africa, Africa that was known as the Maha Confederation, which was also translated as being the Fish Confederation. If it's true that these five families, which would be Elamites, Manding, Sumerian, Egyptian, and Dravidian, went out and started to bring civilization in, then we have to start thinking about if they were building, these Africans came in and started building up, um, there had to be people there because there were people scattered around there when we're talking about that period of time in history when these people came in um, five, 6,000 years ago building up uh, uh, the city the way we see it or some of the remnants that we see it today. So it got me to thinking um, because today the way we look at it, or at least the way the people that I engage with, I, I don't want to put any of my disabilities on people who are listening here this evening, but I only could talk, uh, talk about and speak to the, the people that I've engaged with. There is a uh, kind of an overstanding for, for them that, hey, well, we went in and educated people a specific way. So I took the opposite end of that. I said, well, what if these people went in and domesticated these people? You know what I mean? You showed them a different technology because those people, again, were um, more in tune with planet Earth. And this is important. I'm I'm saying this because I want people to understand domestication and where they learned a lot of the domestication from. They learned a lot of it from worms, bacteria, uh, animals, in my opinion, uh, the Egyptians in particular, um, because I had an opportunity to go there, I think they, they used uh, the template of the, uh, of, the, of the bee to domesticate. Um, they understood that the worm was superior uh, because it's been around for a long time, and I made that correlation because they also utilized the cat as well in a lot of their hieroglyphs. And the cat, unbeknownst to most people, predates dinosaurs. The cat ancestor predates dinosaurs. So before dinosaurs came here, or or even existed, there was a dinosaur that is related to the cat species. So the one thing I understood now is saying, I'm saying, well, hey, they're dealing with specific animals that were in here in the beginning, laying down the foundation, started to think, Wait a second. Okay, got the got the cat. Okay, the worm. So they, they, they it's a possibility that these people who had the high science that came in and brought in 
You know what I mean? And what I'm asking everybody is to think outside of your paradigm a little bit. These people came in with a science already new to domesticate another set of people that wanted to stay more in tune. Now, when I read George G.M. James' Thought and Legacy, and I know many in the family have read this book, started to look and started to notice some things within this book in terms of if it's true. Now, if these interpretations are true, then we have to look at the ancient uh, the ancestors as domesticators and laying down a specific format. So they lay down this format, and what really triggered me was George G.M. James said, in page 51 of Stolen Legacy, he said, the practice of teaching the doctrines of religion to people under the guise of myths originated from the Egyptians and was adopted by the Phoenicians, Thracians, and subsequently introduced to the Greeks. Sounds like domestication when you have to go under the guise of something else in order to teach somebody a doctrine. I don't know if it's how it sounds to anyone else, but to me, that's a potential. I'm not saying it's good or bad, because some people that I've had these discussions with say, well, well, you know, the people needed to be educated. Well, my rebuttal to them was, well, let me ask you something. If I took you out of this civilization and put you in the forest, do you think where the tribal people are, do you think those tribal people would think you're sophisticated? They, they, they would look at you the same way you look at them. You know what I mean? So it's just different. So imagine people who had a long time to really sit back and understand and learn a science, a science that they didn't get from the stars, in my opinion, because I used to look at dimensionality like, uh, just like most people looked at it, or maybe other people. Now, I, I want to I preface this statement because uh, before I even go further. I do subscribe to the idea of other species in other places outside of planet Earth. What I don't subscribe to after seeing how amazing and dynamic and the intellectual capacity of things here on Earth is that that is happening here. You know what I mean? They come in here. I I don't subscribe to that ideology anymore. It's not on the forefront of my consciousness. So then... I'm looking at all of this. I'm looking at ancient history. I'm saying to myself, okay, I see the, the Egyptians, they laid they lay, they lay down a, a foundation, but it's the way they're laying down the foundation. For instance, when I looked at them in terms of their uh, domestication system, it appeared to me that they were actually utilizing the whole bee construct. You know what I mean? There are a lot of hieroglyphic bees on, the, on, 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 on some of the temples there in Kemet. And then what really struck me was down, down north, because it's opposite, you know, back then, was down north was considered a representation of the bee, and then up south was considered the representation of the sex plant. And I said, wow, that's really interesting. Mm. One, the north is considered B, the south considered 
sedge plant, bees pollinate flowers. Manipulation, that's a story. That sounds like a story of manipulation. I just told you that the bee was a carnivore. The flower then took the bee 100 million years ago over a period of time, figured out the alchemy on how to get the bee to do exactly what it wanted it to do to help spread the angiospermic doctrine to other plants so they can keep growing. This is really unprecedented in terms of looking at plants creating doctrines. Maybe we got the idea of plants, of religion from plants because, again, we need plants to survive. Plants got here by the worms laying down the whole nine yards. I'm not done with the worms here yet, but I'm just wetting our palates and so we can understand domestication theory as I kind of rummage around here and move from one place to another so people can understand how domestication could possibly happen within civilization, within nature. This is a really dynamic and fantastic system that has taken place here on this planet. And it really started with uh, bacteria, cyanobacteria that turned into uh, uh, blue-green algae and move forward, all of these same processes um, actually were taking place. But I'll continue back with what was going on there. So the bee became very prominent once I saw that, you know, north was representative by the, the uh, representative of the bee and up south was uh, the sex plant. I started really paying more attention to the bee. And I said, well, let me look at the bee and its construct and how they have their family structure laid out. Well, we know that bees, um, and now this is really, 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 really fascinating in terms of domestication because I'm going to move from Kemet and jump back up here for a hot second so make the correlation a little bit on something. The bee, the bee in the hive, you have the queen bee, and then you own the queen bee, you have the queen workers, and then you also have the uh, um, drone, which is the males, almost the same size yeah. as but, you know, they don't, they can't hurt nobody. They're just there for procreation. The interesting thing about the whole concept, can you say that again? They just studs. Yes, right, right. You know what I mean? The interesting thing about bees or the bee construct was how they situate the, you know, when they're creating uh, their offspring. I don't know if you ever paid attention to that. When you want to create a god, um, I want the women to really listen to this, when you want to create a god, you have to squat, like they showed the image on the walls in Kemet, of the woman squatting. You have to, you, you, if you want to create what they call so-called godliness on, in this realm here, or you want your child to have a specific kind of energy, you squat that way, right? Either that way or in the bees' world, they did it north-south at 60 degrees. That's how queens were created. If you wanted to create 
a uh, a a a, uh, um, a, a uh, the female worker bee, you do that at 45 degree angles. If you want to create a drone, you do that 100 and 180 degrees, which is magnetic. Fascinating when you look at that, because now I'm going to bring you fast forward here to today and this time. In Atlanta, Georgia, I have a friend of mine that works there in Atlanta. He delivers babies. He does not engage in the conscious movement. It's not his thing. No problem. I called him up one day and I asked him out of curiosity. Hey, uh, what angles do the, do the babies do you deliver babies at? He's like, oh, we deliver them here at 45 degree angle. I said, yeah, yeah. And mostly in the white community because he goes from hospital to hospital. So it's not one. It's not one. It's not one. You know, just uh, place. Uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. So he travels from hospital to hospital helping with delivery. He said, 45 degrees. Took note of that. I said, hmm. See, I said, do they ever, you know, you know, have women on their back? And so he's like, yeah, they do that. Um, sometimes in the white hospitals, but a whole lot in the black community. Damn. That's very fascinating. Because when you travel, and there was a, a, a doctor by the name of Dr. Cotterell. He, he actually documented when he was traveling on water, you know what I mean, that the, crews, that, that the ship members, the crew members on the ship, when they moved north to south, everybody on the boat seemed great. Every, there was a lot of harmony going on. When they were traveling east, to West, a little more disgruntled personalities on this boat. I'm saying, man, that's really fascinating. Now, the bee did that. Now, in Kemet, they showed the practice of how the woman's supposed to come down, and all of a sudden they got away from that. Now, what I'm not clear, and somebody I'm sure who is much more well-versed in the Commission uh, uh, history uh, if they know anything, I would love to see the doctrine on how the normal people in Kemet delivered babies. Did everybody actually uh, deliver babies the way we've seen on the walls in Kemet? I'm unsure of that. But one thing, I'm, sh- I, 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 I'm I can't say I'm a thousand percent sure because I wasn't there, but I'm confident that they utilized the practices of Specific. They didn't worship insects. They utilized some of their uh, science because you're eating their food. Kim, you know that you know that saying. You are what you eat, and they were harvesting the honey, and that that that's important. Very important to know. Another thing too, um, I, it's my opinion. I have no proof of this, but it's in my my opinion that they learned another valuable thing from the bee as well. Um, the bee, when creates its hives and all of its cells, when the when the cells are maturing after finish after they finish doing their business, they are perfect circles. When they start to settle in, they turn into almost perfect hexa, hexagons. That's important because planet Earth is considered an icasa dodecahedra. I will repeat that again: icasa dodecahedron, and that is a six-sided shape. That's when you get an icosahedron, 
and a, dode- and a dodecahedron, and you mix them together. And you get this fantastic shape that is six sizes. Or some people might just call Earth a dodecahedron if you're playing with the plutonic solid. But I think that's very important for us to understand. That's how you square something when you understand the square, because you can take a hexagon shape, three-dimensionalize it, get a, it'll look like a dodecahedron, you turn it 22.5 degrees, and you will see it as a perfect cube. If you, if you, if you think I'm kidding, you can just do it. You can just get a, um, get a dodecahedron uh, and test it out for yourself for those who are into the ge- geometric shapes. Now, so what I'm doing here is uh, flowing a little bit into a lot of these different avenues of domestication from the bee. Back now to the worm. The worm, as I said, is representative of the kundalini energy. In my opinion, that's what they were talking about, not serpent. I'm going to tell you something else about the, the worm to even support what I'm talking about. The worm. When you look up what a worm is, the etymology of it, now this was the kicker. The etymology of worm is serpent or dragon. The etymology of worm is serpent or dragon. So, mm. Whoever is on his belly. Yes. Yes. Now, some people I've talked to, they, they uh, made the argument, well, they could still be talking about the the snake. I said, "Well, I think the higher classes were talking about the snake. Uh, the snake, those who were domesticating, because it doesn't mean that the pharaohs were doing. They they were figureheads. I look at pharaohs as um, celebrities, front people that you can utilize to get people to follow you, so you can implement uh, a, a style of domestication. But the people who really understood the science or the priests." And those who had the high science and the mastery of rhetoric, because if it's true, based on many of the uh, of the uh, the doctrines that I've come across, um, that that's what that was part of the, uh, the the curriculum, you know, music, all of these different dynamics. Um, one would have to understand that they probably spoke a different language that the masses did. And, and then that's documented like in Ethiopia. All these things, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with Kemet, but they were happening in these other places as well too, laying down domestication, which uh, leads into other ideas of uh, domesticating and creating other interesting types of species. But the worm is important because, number one, the worm laid down foundation for the flowering plants that we see fit today. Number two, the worm is important because it is what the, in my opinion at least, what the conditions were talking about because not only was the worm a, a, a considered a dragon or serpent, the worm was also considered, well, what was else considered a worm was scorpions and maggots. So maggots, scorpions, and worms are all serpents and dragons, but they utilize the worm. And all we have to do, just so we can have clarity, as I, what I tell people when I have these conversations, is look at its function. Look at its function. Snakes create life. Worms do. 
Worms gave you the black land. Worms are responsible for it. They call it Kemet in terms of the land being black as well. The sun dealt with the people. The sun was the, the main domesticator. And the reason why, I'll tell you in my opinion, looking at this research, worms, scorpions, uh, 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 ants, termites, the reason why they're some of the most successful species is because they burrow underground. And that's another attribute that I think that the ancient Phoenicians and other civilizations from, if not paying attention to the insects themselves, they ate the same bacterial foods that gave them the insight into being able to understand at a higher capacity than other people. Because the one thing we don't take, we take for granted is that the smallest organisms, they, 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 don't, they don't need a brain. They're operating on a chemical system. We have to understand that. They're operating on a different frequency than we can ever imagine. So we never think of them as domesticating us. You know what I mean? Just like we don't think about the worm is domesticating us today. For instance, what if I was to tell you right now, right now, that a Mexum, America, right now, is being invaded by the lumberset rubellus, well, not the rubellus, but it's the Chinese lumberset right now. And part of the problem, as I mentioned to Blue here, because he asked me the question, he said, Carl, what do you think, what's, what do you think is wrong with our people, why we can't do certain things or utilize or go back into the magic? I said, ah, I said, Blue, here's my theory of what happened. See, we have been so disrespectful, humanity on the whole, because we've been given distractions and other things to look at, wars, fighting, TV, all of these other things, and we forgot about all of these little microorganisms running around here because they have us so disconnected from the ground. So what ends up happening here is, in my opinion, is that when the Europeans came over here because at that time there were no worms. Imagine, no worms here at that time. The, all the worms had died out from the last ice age. So mm. there, there was no worms here. So once the worms were brought over here by design, the people ain't the wiser. That's the best, that's the best thing you can do. You bring the European lumber set over, Right? Yet you put that, put that, and you know it's a matter of time because in three to five years, they're going to start changing things down. They're going to start changing it down. They're going to change. They're going to kill forests. They're going to do all of that. Most people don't think about worms killing out forests. That's a problem right now in Minnesota. Right now, as we speak, the European lumber said, let me show you how lawful this thing is right now. The, the people that understand, it's not the Rockefellers and all these people that we put on Front Street. In my opinion, it's a different kind of organism. I think these Rockefellers type of individuals that we call Illuminati and all of this stuff, they have a different mind. They're, 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 these people, they're, they're programmable people. These are people that you, you program and you tell them to do, do what I tell you to do and you be a Trump person. 
they're like a like a thyro or something like that. But this is a different organism that's in my opinion, just looking how things are moving, that's really sparking my attention to them. So anyhow, nonetheless, right now in this country, across up and down the east coast, there's European lumber sets. Let me show you law. Who is the who is the rising power today? China. Say the China. Right now, please, family, check me out. I know there's a bunch of a bunch of researchers that li- that listen to KTL radio. Right now, Chinese earthworms have invaded America, also Asia, Australia. They're over here and they're killing their European lumber set. What are the ramifications of that? As I told Blue, I said the ramifications of that is we don't breathe the same. We can't function the same. The same the same thing we're going through, in my opinion, the same thing that the dinosaurs went through was when oxygen was at thirty five degrees. I mean thirty five um it was at a, a percentage of 35%, right, when the, um, the, 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 the dinosaurs grew large. Those animals grew real large at 35%. Mm-hmm. Event happened, boom, went all the way down to 15. Drop, boom, mass, mass extinction level event. Dinosaurs wiped out. Oxygen took them out. Damn, so you're like, damn, so oxygen killed them, couldn't sustain and oxygen raises back up to about 20, 20, uh, 20, what, 25%, 27%. Uh, they say that's where we're at now, but personally speaking, I would love to get me a device to see if I can measure these things myself because what has happened, in my opinion here, is these um, uh, uh, worms, are, 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 and they're, they're, they're unbiased contractors. The worms, they just do what they do. They don't care what it is. You move them there, they're going to go ahead, eat, and just do what they do. So it's, mm-hmm. you really can't blame them, you know, because they, they're just following their function. But they're restructuring the environment a great degree so many people of certain hues cannot function. There are always exceptions to the rule. There's a war going on here with insects that are far greater than anyone could imagine. Imagine in New York, they just they just uh, talked about on the news about a month ago. They got in a Chinese roach, and he and he he gives off a frequency that that allows him to to survive in the wintertime. What they do is with wow. a lot of these bugs. Yeah, yeah. What they do is with these bugs, these bugs carry certain diseases, and they're easy to come in. They're easy to come into the country during, during these, wherever the most important docks, like Florida, California, New York. And then they say, hey, we don't know how this got here, but this is how you change it. You know what I mean? And the same thing with plants. We've got to be respectful. We have lost all respect for the plants that we have, plants, animals, insects, that we don't even realize their importance. And, and it's, it, it's fantastic. And I, the reason why I can say this with so much conviction, because I was so disrespectful to these species because I didn't acknowledge them. That's, that's, a, that's the biggest form of disrespect is not acknowledging them. 
not giving them their just due because you need to acknowledge them to appreciate them so then you can work in harmony with them. And that's why we're out of balance. We're out of balance on this planet because we no longer understand. But we had the biggest heist put on us by a specific group of mind, a mind, a mind coalition that is responsible for domestication throughout history. I, these are, in my opinion, the people or the entities that you see flying the craft. To me, they would be inner earth species, not extraterrestrial. But if I was domesticating you, that would fall under domestication. I would get everybody looking up at the stars, look at the stars, don't pay attention to what's down here, but look at the stars and you're good. You know what I mean? That's the science. And these, these kinds of ideologies and, and, uh, and, and mind trips were done going back thousands of years because I think now I have a different look and perspective even on the pyramid, you know what I mean, and looking at them and what they're about, just geometrically speaking, you know what I mean, what they were attempting to do. Because then what I did with them, um, the greatest pyramid builders wasn't the Egyptians or wasn't no at least human, in my opinion, it was termites. Termites are the most profound pyramid builders on the planet. And even today, in many of the African countries, they're building their, they're building, their buildings off of the models of termites. Termites in Africa, the termites in South America, the termites in Australia. These these mag, they call them like magnetic termites. If you've ever seen them, they're huge structures, seven, eight feet tall. You know what I mean? And they build And you said... Yes, yeah. okay, oh, yeah, ask me the question. Go, no, no, go ahead, shoot. You said that they're building their structures based off of the termites. Yes, and that's exactly. They're the most, they're the most, um, they're the most prolific. They're the most okay. it's the same it's the same it's the same ideology if you ever seen what the termite labyrinth looks like underground cooling systems these 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 species, oh, yeah. Yeah. very intelligent they're very intelligent, but then you have to ask yourself how do they survive? How do you think in india in um when you go to the the elephantal the elephant temples that, that are burrowed into ground? How they did it? How do they? How how do they understand that science? You have to have a template. If human or human ancestry started maybe seven, eight million years ago, right? Something you have to have a a a a a a, a jump off point or something that was educating you. Because to me, we were moving lawfully, and then something changed. It could have been planet Earth, which the Earth does every so often. What people don't recognize is right now the Earth is at an axial tilt of 23.5 degrees. Before that, it was at 24.5 degrees, but right now it's going to move to 22.5 degrees. These little small degree shifts will actually change the game. Even smaller than that will change the game. What that would be, I'm not sure. But what I will say is that any, any little change, 
will change the game based on how the sun will manipulate and mutate the species on this planet. And um, I think what you've got with the worms and certain other species, they, they are having a battle with the sun. And I'm not sure if you ever read the Mahabharata, the Indian text. They tell yes. me they speak of, you, you're familiar with it. Yes, sir. Right. Um, have you ever encountered the story between um, the Naga's mother and um, Garuda's mother? Garuda is the eagle. The Naga is uh, the, uh, uh, the serpent. So the story goes quickly to their, their mother made a bet. They made a bet about the color of the horse's tail. The Naga's mother, when she, once she realizes, realized that, you know, the, uh, the, uh, 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 she was going to lose this bet, she had her, her sons, she told them I, she had a 1,000 Naga children. She told them, hey, I need you to change that horse. Half of them said, no, we didn't want to do it. So she, she exiled them, killed them. The other half, they went ahead and did it. And that's how Garuda became like the slave to the Nagas. And this whole little story between the Nagas and Garuda is a, is a representation. It's not to be taken literal. It's a representation of the sun, eagle, and the earthworm. The Naga, as I detailed earlier, being a serpent, uh, a serpent worm, not a serpent snake or serpent cobra. Those are just carnivorous. They're just here to keep balance you know, help keep balance and maintain the ecosystem, but they don't create nothing. Worms don't burrow holes. They don't do nothing. They don't create nothing. They just here as carnivorous species to continue keeping balance in the ecosystem. The only thing, intellectually speaking, that could fit the bill is the worm based on its function. That's what all I'm basing it on, the function. And they were smart enough to know that that's why we have secret societies. We see them, they have a specific language they speak, and us, the, the people out in the field, have their own language. To even go further, to show you that this kind of a construct is being played out still to this day, uh, just different faces, in order to move this kind of a, a, a six-dimensional agenda ahead is the fact that we live in prisons known as countries. Why would I say a country is known as a prison? Because the word country, when you break down the word, country, con, C-O-N, C-O-U-N, con, and then you got T-R-Y, tree. C-O-U-N, the O and the U are gods, as I just mentioned a while ago. They are vowels. Those vowels then are interchangeable with the letter A, country, because all vowels are interchangeable. Con, even when you pronounce it, it's C-U-N. Con is also related to can. They both have uh, their same origin, meaning that a country would be considered a noun, in its noun form, can, as opposed to can, meaning that you can do something, in its verb sense, or you would have to say, in its noun sense, it would be a container. So if a con is a container, and then tree, again, we have another vowel with the Y, 
and you you already know I don't have to tell the family here at KTL that you have enough people come on yeah. and break down etymology and how the magic of words are. The Y is to max max the E's to give us trees. So now we have a can, which is a container, trees. So now we're being contained by the trees, just as we always were, just as the animals were, and all of that. So now we are living in container trees. And if you want to understand how a person functions, then all you really have to understand is how long did a person live in a specific area. They would possibly need to be there at least nine years to truly fully acclimate to their environment. If they've been there nine years or more, or nine years, let's say nine, ten tops, but nine years or more, then they have now acclimated to the breadth of that environment. Then you need to understand how the uh, the trees, what trees are in your environment. Up over here in New Jersey, most of the trees in this neighborhood, I've walked 30 blocks around. You know all of these trees here are all acidic? All acidic trees. Why would they do that? They're trees. The intelligence of a tree is so interesting that when you disrespect the tree, the tree will go ahead and create an a, a alchemical frequency to let all of this uh, 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 other peers and family members know how you move in, they'll change their frequency and let off a, a, a harmful um, a, a frequency in order to harm you and harm your environment. So we got to even be careful and be respectful to the trees and the plants and all of that other stuff that we have around us. That's respect. We have to be respectful. You know what I mean? Failure to do so, we're going to get what we deserve. So when Blue Pill asked me what happened to us, well, not just people of color, we, we, we've taken part in what is known as a country. We're, we're contained by trees, and the trees are not only the, what we would consider biological trees, the true trees are our buildings. Our building structures are nothing but imitation trees. You want to take a guess on why I would say something like that? Did I lose you? No, I'm here. I'm here. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, no, yeah. I was asking you. I didn't want to take a guess. Huh? I want to take a guess why you say that. No, no, no I was asking you, uh, do, do you want to take a guess? Or, uh, I can just go right into it. Oh no, I'll let you go. Okay, not a problem. The reason why I said the reason why the buildings are considered squares, well, you hear your brother talk about the law of four all the time. Yeah. Four is very important, right? And four is a foundation number because it lays as you, you you take that square and you lay down that foundation to build your cube, that eight side uh, mm-hmm. uh, construct, right? Now. Indeed. Well, what is the what's the angulation of all of the squares? Ninety degrees, they say, right? Right angle is ninety yep. degrees. The reason why they they when I mean they, I don't know who they are, but those who who deal in the art of domestication on the highest level, whether being uh, an assisted human organism 
or microorganisms, they understand that 90 degrees, which is lime green, I'm going to say that again, 90 degrees is the color lime green. The reason why, in my opinion, we live in all cubaceous spaces is to resonate. We don't see the color, but that right angle is operating under the color green and right angles. Once north-south meets east-west, you get uh, uh, confusion, disruption, because 90 degrees, there's always, there's always uh, instability at the, right at the angle. Some reasons, that angle, that's why they tell you don't stand on corners. You know, if you ever had, you know, stay away from the corners, the corners may not be too good. Stay away from the corners because when you get to a corner, right there is a disturbance at the right angle. But that right angle is green. Another important thing that people need to understand about geometry as well when it comes to these buildings and the reason why they're squares <clears throat> is that in every square place, when you, when you look at the torsion field, that's the energy field, once you build a square and that energy is circulating in it, unlike any other, unlike any other uh, geometric shape, the square, their energy sits right at the top. So imagine you're working in a cubaceous structure, you're at work, the, uh, 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 that kind of uh, so-called negative energy is lingering above you, you know what I mean? You've got a lot of arguments, you've got a lot of fights, and then you have to consider some of the building materials as well that, that help amplify these things. This thing is a well-thought-out plan to keep people contained in specific trees. This is why buildings in, in all areas have to be coded for certain, certain, um, certain heights, and you can't go past it, or you can't build what you want to build. If you buy property in a specific town, they're going to say, you've got to keep it cubaceous. All that circular shit, we don't want it here. You know what I mean? Another thing we've got to think about when we're talking about domestication theory, this is a, a beautiful plan that has been laid out, and we don't even see it. We walk in our neighborhoods. We walk through buildings. We don't even think about uh, that we are really, when they tell us you're going green, we're all the time, all they're doing. All this, wow. everything I just said to you, Red, is pretty much a creation story. All wow. they're doing is create, creating a creation story. Green is part of the creation story because green is representative. And when you see a right angle, anytime you see a right angle and you see green, you are seeing oxygen. When you see red, you're red. Talking to you now. Yeah. You're oxygen at its highest level. You, that's, that's what red, that color red, embodies oxygen at its highest level. So red and green. Well, let me show you law. What happens when you're driving at your stoplight? What are you being reminded of all the time? You're re being reminded of a creation story, red, yellow, and green, the transition of how oxygen moves in the atmosphere. Mm. That's what it's all about. I'm not. Reason, uh, huh? Hold on one minute. I got a special guest that I want to open up the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let him in. Let him in, please.
Peace. Hello? Yeah. Peace, peace, brother Goff. Yes, peace, 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 peace. It's Blue. Peace. You're doing a fabulous job. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting back here. I just landed. I'm listening to you go in. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I just appreciate it. You know, I, I'm passionate Indeed. about this here. You know what I mean? So I'm glad, I already glad know. you touched down. I'm glad you touched down and whatnot. Yes, indeed. So can you can you explain the theory about the uh, stoplight, the green, the yellow, and the red? You said the red yes. is the is oh, oh, oxygen at its at its highest. Yes, red is the highest, and that red is to show you have to show respect to red. This is the yes. reason why colored folks. It's not that white people, because they're white, that colored folks respect them. You respect white people because you can see hints of red hue. It's the red you respect. When you stop at that red light, you're stopping because oxygen, and you're going to respect oxygen because oxygen is our God. And I'll tell you why I say that. When we go all the way back, when the sun started allegedly four or five billion years ago, uh, right. about... Uh, you give a couple hundred thousand years or a couple a couple million years after that, the earth came into existence. The earth then created its own atmosphere in order to, uh, in, in, not only atmosphere, but its own magnetic field to block out the radiation from the sun or at least minimize the heavy inundation of radiation from the sun. During this period of time as the, the, sun, as the planet is maturing, one of the interesting things that I find like that, that boggles the mind is how oxygen, the intelligence of oxygen came into the planet. Now, what science has shown us is that oxygen made its way in to this planet through the help of manganese. Manganese paved the way. Initially, I thought it was cyanobacteria, but what cyanobacteria actually did was create, it, it created an opportunity utilizing water and photosynthesis, well, it utilized photosynthesis in order to split the water molecule in order to free oxygen into the atmosphere. But manganese had, had, it, had an oxidized form of it lodged into the rocks, and that's what it was. So manganese brought and helped bring paved the way over a period of time, cyanobacteria, which is what is called a prokaryote. And let me stop here just for a hot second because I want to mention something about dimension. You know, I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people in, in, in terms of dimensions. So I said, well, just check out this idea uh, for, or theory for dimensionality, because this is important and it ties right in. And this is how we have to learn how to be respectful. There are, I do, I do not, I do not no longer follow the idea the way we currently see dimensions, because we say we're moving into the fourth dimension or that we're, we're going to try to be fifth dimensional beings. Family, I'm telling you right now, you already are a fifth dimensional being. And I, I can prove it to you. In a simple test, one test is I want you to look at your hands and count how many fingers you got on any one of your hands. 
and I'm sure 99.9% of us have five fingers. You look at your hand. Then I want you to look at your other hand, and I want you to put them together. And then I'm going to ask you, how many hands do you have? And what would your answer be? Anybody can answer if they want. Two. Two. Technically speaking, that is the wrong answer. You have one hand and one foot. I'm going to tell you why, because I was educated, and I didn't realize this until right. someone had educated me that I got one hand. See, when you take one of your hands and you put it up against a mirror, you see its reflection exactly as it is, but you have right. one hand in the mirror. Now, if you do that with both your hands, you have one hand, so you got 0. .5, 0. .5 that creates the whole. That's part of the domestication and fooling us in terms of understanding mathematics, science, and all that other fun stuff, in my opinion, by playing with numbers to make us not think about us being whole. Let me tell you something, family. There, when I say there is no thing greater than you, when I say that to people, they look at me like, yo, why? I've never had anybody even say that to me. I say that to people who are not used to hearing people uh, of a certain consciousness uh, say certain things to that. There's no thing greater than you. When you start understanding some of the little nuances and understanding worms and bees and all of these other things, all of these things together will give you a dynamic uh, first standing because we're all a part of this. These are our ancestors. You know what I mean? So we have one hand. If we had two hands, your thumb would be on the other side. So when you look at it from that, that dynamic, you got one hand and one foot, one brain that we, we segment that, oh, my left brain thinking, my right brain thinking, as opposed to looking at it as a whole. So I just wanted to say that in terms of dimension. Well, let me add this too. There's the five dimensions. To break down the dimensions and what they've done was they got us to un not realize the other dimensions. The dimensions are based on the categories of the kingdom, monera, protesta, fungi, plants, animals, and humans are a part of animals. And where we're moving today, we're moving towards artificial. That's the sixth dimension. So we got monera, single-cell organisms, protesta, multicellular organisms, then fungi, plants, and animals. Now let me say this to you. If I told you that fungi, plants, and animals, that we're all clones, Would you believe me? Hello? You have, you have to explain that. So, yeah, I would want to. Well, plants, fungi, and animals are, own, are, are clones. Now, keep in mind what I just broke down to you, the different dimensions, monera, protesta, fungi, and plants and animals. Fungi, oh, not fungi, excuse me, protesta, the multicellular organisms, the science is clear. They're very clear when they say this. They say protesta. Species of protesta are fungi-like, animal-like, plant-like, but they are not fungi, plants, or animals. Keep in mind, <laughs> they are clear. They're not that. So they can only, all we are are subjects. Upset. So if we want to see who's really 
laying down domestication, we have to look at those organisms that are under the umbrella of protesta, like blue-green algae, you know what I mean, these kind of things, you know what I'm saying? Um, Cyanobacteria, which is blue bacteria, that's under Monera. Those are single-cell organisms, you know what I mean? These, These things are important for us to understand the dynamics. So when I look at dimensions, I'm looking at them, okay, these are the five dimensions. So if someone asks me, well, if, they, if people are saying dimension is time, then how did, how, how's the fourth dimension is time? I said, well, technically, what, uh, if we're going to really keep the 100, as they say, then I attribute time to plants because animals have a kind of a symbiotic relationship with plants, and plants utilize the sun way. So the fourth dimension with is plants, and you're talking about plant time, how plants function. So that's attributed to us, although photosynthesis started back with cyanobacteria allowing the, the green to come into this paradigm. You know what I mean? So it's a dynamic system. Going back to everything being a creation story, you got the red, yellow, and green. It's all oxygen. And if that's something anyone wants to research, all you have to do is study auroras. Blue, which is blue bill, blue, red is representative of oxygen. Blue is nitrogen. Blue is nitrogen. That's amino acids. Programming of the physical attributes. Red is the programming of, of, of the spirit, the unseen attribute. But you're going to respect red, which you, even if you see a, a darker-skinned person or even a lighter-skinned person with red, that's part of the whole domestication in terms of utilizing racism. In my opinion, it's the color game that we don't really understand. This is the dynamic system of domestication here, man. Hold on, hold on one minute, Brother Goff. Blue, is that your phone with the feedback? Are you hearing feedback in my phone? I'm going to put it on mute. Feedback, I'm just hearing, yeah, I'm hearing a little bit of noise. Yeah, I'm in Trader Joe's. All right, I'm going to mute it. Continue. Oh, no question. So when you stop at the red light, you're paying respect to oxygen. When you're walking down the street, you see square buildings, trust me, you're paying attention to oxygen. Now, I'm going to break down, since we're playing with this geometry here a little bit, the importance of uh, the other importance of the cube. And the reason why I would, I, I would say these people put and utilize the cube, and, but they progressed into the cube before, before they found the cubation state as being the most functional, I just want to go back here because I, I think this is important because I, what I want to give the family tonight is a lot of is a, a lot of uh, information so they can go ahead and do their own research. They don't take my word for it. Um, actually, I don't expect anybody to, um, but just look it up. There's a place called Adam's Calendar in South Africa. Have you ever heard of this place? Yes, sir. Uh, no. Yeah, Adam, Adam's Calendar is is said to be ancient structures 
that you know predate what was going oh, on in many of the other films. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah, that's what um Michael Tellinger and them. Yes, you go. That's Absolutely. what they're working with. Yeah, yeah. Now, right. So when I looked at those structures, right, all of those structures, you notice there was no cubaceous structure. When you look at all of the what, what's in, like in Kemet, and uh, it's cubaceous, the pyramid base, cubaceous. All of these things are cubaceous. You go to Mayan civilization, you go to Corral, Peru, and just for the, for the record family, most people are not aware of Corral, Peru, but that civilization was contemporary with uh, Kemet uh, like three, 4,000 years ago. Just for the record, for those who say, oh, there wasn't a civilization that was contemporary in this era, I was, I was there, I seen the pyramids, and touched the pyramids and the whole nine yards. If you ever get an opportunity, Corral, Peru, is a very fascinating and interesting energy, energy location. But that being said, the cube, the cube versus the curvaceous um, shapes. I, in my opinion, if I had to tell the story, it looked to me as if those people who laid down those foundations of the curvaceous shapes were trying to figure out and working their way, their way into getting into the square later on down the line in order to better domesticate whatever they were trying to do at that time. Um, so I, I find that an interesting correlation as I started to travel along this whole pathway and looking at domestication on all levels. And any insect that you see, even roaches, they don't like the sun. The roaches come out from 12 to 6 a, 12 to midnight to 6 p.m., I mean 6 a.m. They stay away from the sun. And that's how they have longevity because the sun will mutate you. The sun governs everything. The sun governs everything. And in the artificial world, coming into the sixth dimension, everything that we're living now is actually yeah. representing the sun. That's why this is what they're doing. This is why people of color have a problem. We have a major problem, if the statistics are true, that people of Q are, are, are vitamin D deficient. Now, vitamin yeah. D, <laughs> that... If you ask me, that if, if people really want to feel that energy or really get in tune with themselves, really play in the sun during the summer, the spring and summer months. But there's rules to playing in the sun because I've been told that, hey, you know, just go out in the sun. You got the dark skin melanin. You good money, but mm-hmm. as, just as what, what, what's the guy that just got his uh, leg broken because he was vitamin D deficient of uh, doing the into uh, the MMA fighting. He and Silver, yeah. yeah, Anderson Silver, right, right. He comes. He lives in Brazil. That's that's Middle Earth right there. He next to the equator where the sun is at. How did he become vitamin D deficient? Of course, he was indoors. He didn't. He didn't understand the rules. Probably took for granted that he was near the sun and needed to be out in the sun. Here's the skinny based on what I've looked at and how we need to be very mindful. All humans need to be mindful, just not people of color, but people of color more particular because 
we need to be in the sun for longer periods of time. The rules of engagement with the sun is that you need to be out in the sun at 50 degrees altitude. I will repeat that again. You need to be out in the sun at 50 degrees altitude because what most people may or may not realize is that the sun has three dimensions of radiation, UVA, UVB, and UVC. UVC does not enter our atmosphere, so it, it gets cut off at the pass right there near the Van Allen belt. But UVA and UVB comes in and is radiating and it's mutating. Now, UVB, UVB only occurs at 50 degrees altitude. So even now, during these nice days, you're not picking up vitamin D because during the winter time, because we are not at 50 degrees altitude. I don't care how hot it gets. You're not receiving the vitamin D during this time. Vitamin D will come in. This is very important, especially for the family to, to understand this. Around March 21st, we will start seeing signs of 50 degrees altitude coming up. It's important. Every day we should be checking the altitude and then checking your schedule. Those of us who can control our schedule have more opportunity to benefit and stock up on vitamin D in order to store it for the winter time. The rules are 50 degrees, rule number one. Rule number two, for, and this will change for every different shoe. If you're, and I'm just talking about people of color, all the different ranges from light skin, Mariah Carey, all the way down to a, to a blue-black person. You know what I mean? Each one must understand they don't need the same amount of radiation because Caucasian people, all they need is 15 minutes and they produce 10,000 international units of vitamin D. You know what I mean? So there's, there's rules to this. So for people like who are of darker pigment, minimum three hours. Some of the lighter pigments might get away with two, hour and a half, two hours. I would say nothing less than an hour and a half, you know, out in the sun. And you want to wear, this is, a, this is a key component. You want to wear the least amount of clothing, short sleeves, short pants, because the more clothing you have on, the longer you got to be outside. And, and it becomes challenging for those who have uh, nine to fives because your lunch hour, unless you're a Caucasian person, you're not going to make enough vitamin D because vitamin D production inside of the human organism goes through a two-part process. It goes through pre-vitamin pre, pre D production before, like, it takes, like, 10, 15 minutes to go through that where it's being processed, like, through the kidneys, and then before it starts going into full production. So that, that, that takes a minute. And that's for the lighter, the lighter people. For darker people, it takes a little longer. You know what I mean? So that's the most important thing. And this is what I've been waiting for for a long time. No one ever gave me the numbers. I never read, you know, I look at all this information, and I'm like, man, I wonder what are the rules. Until now, they're starting to come out with that, with the rules of engagement. So this way we could, um, I guess, uh, <laughs> uh, try to... Uh, 
re- rehabilitate ourselves. Well, I, don't, I think they know that we can't because we become uh, dependent on like a, a over-the-counter vitamin D, and you have to watch that too because you could take a whole bunch of vitamin D over-the-counter supplement, and you you can have what uh, a, a vitamin D toxicity by using it too much, kilter, and uh, another thing too. I, I also want to say this: you want to take. Uh, when you're doing your vitamin D, whether through the sun or you're taking a supplement, um, you need to make sure in order for you to absorb it, you need to make sure that you have magnesium and calcium. You take that together. I, I had to learn that. I'm, I'm not telling you something I read. I'm telling you something I had to learn because two years ago I had a horrific pinched nerve. I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, I'm eating, I'm doing all this. I don't understand I had this nerve, but I guess something I was eating was creating inflammation that created this pinched nerve in my spine, in the upper cervical area. And once I started going in, and I realized I I did a vitamin and mineral deficiency test. That's what I did, a vitamin and mineral deficiency test. And it showed me that I was deficient in vitamin D. So when I did the science on myself, I said I got to change that. So that's what I that's what I did. And once I once I changed changed that by um, utilizing vitamin D, I used a lot of vitamin D supplements at the time. Um, but I utilized them every three days. That's how you want to do it. When you're taking the supplements, you want to do it every three days. You can also get away with that in the sun. You don't need to be out in the sun every day. If you did it like okay, I'm gonna do it Wednesday, and then I can do it on the weekend. Wednesday on the weekend for those people who are working and you don't have an opportunity to be out in the sun, you can't control your hours, that's something you want to do. Very important you do that. Failure to do that, then, as the saying goes, we all get what we deserve. You know? So it's an interesting, fascinating... No doubt. I I bumped into that combination as well when I was doing my research on on water. Mm -hmm. You know, the essential minerals that I had to put in my water, it always at the top with calcium and magnesium together. Mm-hmm. And there, there's a particular ratio that you have to um, follow as well. Mm-hmm. And very few people, because we were never taught, of course, the significance. Oh. You know, they, they yell about calcium all day, but they never really told you the significance mm-hmm. of magnesium. Mm-hmm. Magnesium is big. Right. And you lose magnesium through fear. Mm-hmm. And I went to several seminars, and uh, what the Europeans were suggesting, they came up to me afterwards, and they were like, this information is most important to your people. Mm-hmm. You know, and, of course, they were talking about melanated capitone moors or what have you. And I was like, why my people in particular? They said because of what they deemed the institution of slavery, they said because of that fear-based programming, you know, Nana from three or four generations ago lost her magnesium count because of the pogroms that they were putting her through via the fear base, and all of that gets passed down through the children. So now when we're looking at generations falling apart in the 60s and the 70s, and we're like, you know, we understand that the domestication program was this, but then this really started, like, you know, it's just... It's, it's some things that just really don't add up about how things went from one place to a whole nother place. And it really started with a generation of children. And um, 
you know, I think that we're seeing the effects for three or four or five generations removed of magnesium deficiency. And, um, you know, a lot of other things that we are witnessing in society now that people have trouble putting the finger on and, you know, they point towards this factor or that factor. I think that if we took a little bit of, bit of time and studied magnesium, and the mm-hmm. 300 different bodily functions that magnesium covers, mm-hmm. you know, look at society now and see if those things aren't prevalent in terms of, um, you know, in terms of the deficiency. So over 80% of society, period, is magnesium deficient, deficient, you know. But our people in our community in particular, mm-hmm. in particular, not only because of fear but other factors as well, are magnesium deficient. I have no idea. So please continue. Oh, no, no question. And we got to stop being afraid of the sun. Because I'm going to tell you, when I was in Kenan, right, a lot of people seem to be afraid of the sun. But I was on a specific regimen. I kept I kept myself moist, extremely moist in terms of uh, the liquid intake. And I had a a serious dose of sea uh, moss that I was input inputting into my water. And they had that bottled water out there, and you know I I said oh, well I got to put the sea moss in it. And the reason why I say put sea moss, and I mentioned this on the show before when I called in one time, that sea moss is an old 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 organism. And not only is old, it kept all of its information. That means it's all of its information, not all of it, but a good majority of its information, genetically speaking, is still vibrant and alive, meaning it can write scripts. It's like having a health, look at it like having a healthy immune system. You understand? By having this healthy immune system that, um, that, that, that's flourishing, that can do whatever it wants because it knows how to write scripts because it's seen everything. That's the importance. Uh, 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 for me to be able to feel cool in the sun. But not only that, when we was out in the sun and I went back and started looking at the altitudes at the time there, right on time, right on time. And that's why, and, and for those who, if I don't know if, uh, uh, if people are still taking tours to Kemet based on what's going on over there on that land now, but if you ever have an opportunity to go to Aswan in Egypt, I can tell you and I can assure you. To me, that is probably the most magical place one could ever want to travel to. And I'm going to tell you, that's some really interesting things happen. For one, one day when we was out in the sun, chilling, doing whatever we had to do, Came back late at night. What we was uh, myself and another brother was escorting some sisters because they wanted to go shopping at night. And you had to, we were on an island and we had to take a boat across the other side. The funny thing is, I now understand when you hear other people's thoughts what it feels like because I was hearing voices and I was saying, well, what the, I, I I couldn't understand it. Just put it that way. But the voices I was hearing were the people that were standing next to me. Before they said it, I heard what they thought, and then they spoke it. Damn. 
the hell? It became annoying because I couldn't hear myself think, that I had to remove myself from them after I'm like, well, I'm going to head on back because I couldn't hear myself. I was like, and people who have those kind of intuitions, I, I don't even know how they function or how you can even control something like that. And that was the first time that ever happened to me. Then the next night, what was interesting, I was building with a, a professor by the name of Daniel Mitchell who was on the tour. He and I was building. I was talking about geometry and my perspective on the pyramids and everything like that. And the brother said, you know something? You remind me of Emotet. Cool, whatever. We left it. Later on that evening at dinner time, I'm sitting at the table uh, with a group of people. They leave. Another group, the Brother Mitchell was over there with some other sisters and some other people. I guess he was telling them about the conversation we had. And then the sisters come over, they say, uh, you, they start screaming at me, you are Imhotep. They're yelling in the dining room, you are Imhotep. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. You know, and they yell, like, you are And they yell louder, you are Imhotep. They, they yell that again. I'm like, all right, yeah. I'm a little embarrassed because they're yelling at me in front of a dining room full of people. They, they, they was like, you are Imhotep. Then the whole building, all the lights went out in the building. The whole building was shut out. Oof. I was like, damn. Everybody was wilding out after that event. I was like, damn, man. So this place is like real interesting. Like the energy is crazy. So you go to Aswan, you never know. You know, those are just a couple of stories I just felt compelled to share because of that energy over there. It is extremely wild, but I think some of that that helped it was, number one, the sun, because I was in over 50 degrees. It has to be 50 degrees altitude or higher. And um, the uh, the sea moss because it was, it writes scripts. All that all the ancient or- organisms they write scripts, and we have to be respectful that everything around us is really actually uh, how you say uh, domesticating. Part of the whole idea of human domestication thing, theory, buildings, hue, eye color, eye color, eye color can dictate function. See, I don't look at, I have two dimensions of thought. One, everybody has the racism or all that other stuff. But when I look at people, I'm looking at your, your skin pigment and trying to figure out your function. What is your function? Because your color is your function. Uh, a, 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 a superior alchemist, um, most of us probably will never see that kind of alchemist unless they allow themselves to be seen. But if we did, they would be able to understand your function. But one of the ways, that's one of the things I'm fascinated by. I, I, I want to understand people's function. And one of the ways you do that is by looking at eye color. Your eye color will tell you your function because your eye color, like blue-eyed people, and which, what really um, sparked this in me was looking at the, uh, what is it, the, uh, like the Philadelphia experiment and uh, some of these uh, uh, so-called covert uh, domesticating programs where they're programming people a specific way. And I remember listening to somebody uh, talking about how blue-eyed people and blonde hair are the most easily domesticated. And that always stuck with me until I applied uh, my sensibility uh, and the reason what helped me to think 
the way I'm thinking and really help me propel this uh, kind of a domestication theory idea out there is due to the science known as geonumerology. And geonumerology, all it is is numerology uh, on steroids or the cousin of numerology. It doesn't change numerology. What it does is it lives between the letters of numerology or the numbers of numerology. And, and, it, and it digs out other things about numerology that are, are not there, dealing with history, angular momentum, nature, uh, symbols. All of these things create a different storyline than what numerology presently does, and I look at it as an addendum. So just so people can understand that, that's what helped me get to this point. But back to the blue-eyed person. A blue-eyed person, once I started adding these sensibilities to it, a blue-eyed person is nothing more than a person that's easily programmable. As I said earlier, blue is the color of nitrogen. So once you see the color of a person's eyes with blue, the only only thing I have to say to to myself is, what were they programmed for? Because whatever they programmed for, they're going to be extremely good at it. Whatever that is. Doesn't make a difference. Green-eyed people are oxygen. So when I look at a green-eyed person, a green-eyed person I'm thinking oxygen, very spirited people, very few people. I would bet, and I haven't pulled up the statistics, that the green to blue-eyed people would probably, in terms of percentages, would probably be very close to the percentages of what air is, like nitrogen to oxygen, uh, the nitrogen to oxygen uh, ratio. I would bet it would be something like that hazel eye people, those are a little bit more tricky. The darker the hue, the harder it is to take out what they, they have. They have more options. They're not as, they're not as uh, structured. So if, if what I'm saying is true, then you can understand why blue-eyed people are active, and then you can understand why blue-eyed people are, 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 are mostly, a lot of them are Ashkenazi Jews or who actually handle a lot of, uh, uh, of, of the transactions because they're programmed for functionality, functional. They listen and they abide by the rules. Dark eyes, they're a little bit more scattered. They don't have the same tunnel vision. And blue eyes also, if it's true, blue eyes also process vitamin D very well. So that's also a very interesting dynamic about, you know, uh, looking at programming and looking at individuals and understanding their function, even down to your color, because you can be a green or blue-eyed person and be as dark as myself, you know what I mean? And if that's true, then you understand that the person, that's the, you, you understand the, the spectrum in which they're dealing in. You just have to deal with their programming. But that's not the only thing. You have to look at where they're living and what the atmosphere is like there. And then you have to learn the art of dying. There's three types of dying, or learning how to die, I should say. You know, once you learn how to die, you know what I mean? See, the, the ancient ones, they understood the process of dying. You know what I mean? And what, leaving your mark here on this planet. There's three types of dying, and I'm going to break this down. There's one type of die that deals with color, D-Y-E. The other type of die is what we say, okay, this person is going to, he's no longer here with us, he died or whatever the case is, D-I-E. 
Then we have the other die, which is D-I. That type of die, learning how to die being harmonic is like being like hydrogen. You want to be a, you want to be able to control and, and and live your life in such a harmonic way that you can dictate your your energetic uh, self off of the planet because that that's what I think the many of the ancient civilizations were attempting to do uh, whether an oxygen or uh, maybe nitrogen trying to propel themselves to leave the leave the planet as they see fit. And then there's some that don't want to leave. They want to keep you in what they call hell, which is what they would consider this is. This is. But learning how to die, D-I. D-I-E is the movement spirit going into the ground. D-I is harmonic because it means the dual, like dimethyltryptamine, you know, substance, the DMT that, that uh, the pineal gland produces. You know what I mean? So it's very important for us to understand these things. But I know, uh, I'm not sure what time it is. I know I've been rambling. I'm a prolific rambler, so pardon me, family. Uh, <laughs> I keep the ramble going on because I'll, I'll take this. Uh, we can literally go to 5 in the morning if you let me have my way. But nonetheless, uh, I'm sure people want to call in, ask questions. Uh, uh, we can still dialogue. Uh, if you want me to keep going, I'll go. Yeah, tonight, so... As you notice, uh, we weren't able to drop many bombs. I don't have I'm, – I'm not manning the board as I would. Uh, so I don't even know if we're going to be able to open up the callers tonight in the uh, proficient oh. manner that we would like to. No question. Understood. Understood. Yeah. So, I would, yeah, I would say to um, – I would encourage you just to continue the build. You know what I'm saying? It's oh, just, you know, class no doubt. Session. People are taking notes, you know what I mean, and um, you know, they they they're definitely uh, you know, I'm sure there are some questions, but I'm sure that <laughs> the uh, families out there they're taking notes, they're soaking it up, you know, this is sure. new information. Sure, uh, so. sure, absolutely. You see, the the lawfulness of um, domestication in modern day society, not only dealing. Uh, with just like stoplights and, and, and buildings. Well, before I jump off the building, I want to say this about squares and why you would use a square. See, a square. Most people don't think when we we walking around. We we have we don't really think or put it into our minds or our consciousness that the, the planet is spinning unless we're having a conversation. And we say, okay, the planet's spinning. Oh, yeah, I know that based on this, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But a square, and anyone can do this experiment at home. You can take a square, you put it on, your, put it on a globe, something spherical, and you, take a, you get a rod, stick it in the middle, and then you start spinning it. Make sure that the square, or the cube, I should say, doesn't have a top. And you'll notice when you look at a cube from the top down as you spin it that all edges want to become whole. And in order to see it, how it wants to become something, you must spin it. This is why people get trapped in specific homes. What is the energy of their home? Because you're spinning 
you becoming lawful. So you got the cube with edges turning into something spherical, and then you got something spherical turning into something square. That's why you have a dome. That's that's the importance of a dome. A dome is you create the science, mathematically speaking, in a dome, spin the dome as the earth is spinning, and it turns into something close to something more cubaceous. And then you lock it in. And But the people inside of that dome don't understand the science, but this is what's taking place. It's a fantastic dynamic, but that's why you would put somebody in the square because you know once you're, you're spinning on the planet, this is what's happening. So as we're turning around, and you're, in a, and you're in a square place. Now, let me say this as well, too. Some people will, um, some people will um, flourish in, in squares. Not everybody, you know, mm-hmm. you know is the same. Um, bacteria is different. Um, <laughs> everything is different. I was looking at something the other day in terms of bacteria, just because the thought just popped in my head. African American women have 12 different types of communal bacteria in their vaginas, and Caucasian women have 16 different types of communal bacteria in their vagina. And I said, wow, that's deep. I said, when you think about it, you really got to understand your species. This is, you really have to think about, do I really want to, deal with this person, and then you have to think about, oh, where did they come from? Like, well, now that's the way my brain is wired now. Like, where did you come from? What's your eating style? You got to hope yeah. that the woman, uh, all of these things uh, come into play. And then for yep. females, too, I, I got to say this for the females as well, too. Please, for those who are especially having children, and you're you're provoked or pushed into a C-section for whatever reason, you are stopping the process. If uh, your child is not able to come through that birthing canal, there's ancient bacteria. Because keep in mind, mitochondria DNA is a second-dimensional species. It's part of protista. That's when it, it, it showed its head. If science is correct, Protista showed his head, second dimension. Now, when a child is born, coming through that birth center now, it picks up all of that bacteria because a child's gut, the gut, the intestinal flora is sterile. So they need that bacteria coming through that canal in order for that child to um, really flourish. If the child comes out, section then it's going to take it some time you kind of hinder its progression in terms of fighting off diseases that's why you see some people with babies just off the jump they got colds and all that stuff and you ask the mother oh uh, what do you have you have natural birth no I had a c-section and what they need to do though the mother as a tidbit because I don't want to tell you an issue without the other aspect I'm going to keep it lawfully. The um, could do if your child miss, uh, misses out on the journey is take every day take um, and I would drink a lot of fluid or do this. In, in, I would do it after your first morning urine. Shortly later on, you know, 
uh, uh, shortly after your first morning urine or whatever the case may be. You want to take the juices from your vagina and put it in the mouth of the child so they can benefit from some, some of the vaginal bacteria. You know what I mean? Uh, that most of it is healthy, you know, but what tears a lot of women up is the opportunity to deal with different types of men and not understanding the penis in which they're dealing with. So ladies, understand that. Learn your penis that you won't deal with, failure to do so, and, and, and if you're trying to procreate, I'm telling you this, that you could do your, you could do your own research. Um, two types of ovulation. Science says there's uh, induced, and the other one is um, spontaneous. I say there, it's double induction, not spontaneous. Let me explain. The woman's biological construct, when she's ready to have, she can either spark ovulation herself or the man can spark it ovulation at a specific point in time because he has two hormones, one called FSH, which is a follicle-stimulating hormone, and the other one is called the luteinizing hormone. Those are the same female hormones in her that get her to uh, start to ovulate. So... Uh, <clears throat> When a man ejaculates, uh, those hormones that are part of, a, uh, of his sperm also carry all together in a nice little package is what they call a NGF, which is a nerve growth factor. What's that nerve growth factor carrying all those, that nice cocktail of uh, ingredients uh, travels past the blood vein barrier? It is for, it's affecting the woman's pituitary gland. So I tell women all the time, a lot of the female young ladies in my family, choose your penis wisely because uh, uh, if you get the wrong type of consciousness entering your universe, he can literally control you. He, he doesn't know that he's doing it. He don't have the science mm-hmm. to doing that. But, you know, that's the, uh, that's the skinny on understanding that because it's affecting the woman's uh, consciousness. You know what I mean? And then the sperm stays in the, in the body for like five days. Uh, five right. Days. We, we know the pituitary is the master gland, but can you explain its functions for the family that might not really have an uh, understanding about what you're saying in regards to what role that gland plays? All the gland plays. <laughs> I, I, I want to keep this really, really simple. Pituitary, hypothalamus, thalamus gland, and one of the, uh, the, the one of the other glands that never is talked about. This one is very important. Mammillary bodies. Have you ever heard of the term? Mammillary bodies. No. No. Mammillary body sits right underneath all of that fun stuff, pineal gland, pituitary gland, and what it does is keep episodic memories. And the importance of all of these glands is that they affect perception, how you view the world, starting with the pineal gland and starting with your eyes because your eyes is the gateway and how the pineal gland actually registers information. So... To keep it simple, without a, with all the broad 
difficult term. What you're really trying to govern, which is why television is important for those who are into domestication, is your perception and how you view things. It also deals with your emotional aspect, pituitary, hypothalamus, dealing with also hormones. These are very important things that we need to understand. It's almost like you really have to try to control your environment and be your own personal domesticator. It's a, it's a really seems like a daunting task, but a very real thing when you think about what's going on around us. But the mammillary glands deals with it in particular. The reason why I, I brought that up to bring it to the consciousness of those listening tonight in, in, in conjunction with that, whatever's going on and whatever emotions that you're going on between in your, uh, your hypothalamus, pituitary, uh, et cetera, in terms of all of the emotional aspects dealing with the frontal cortex, et cetera, et cetera, um, those get stored in your mammary glands. And you know what's really fascinating about it is that they look like breasts. They're two, like, kind of uh, uh, round, like, nipple type of things. That's why they call them mammary, mammillary. You got that mammy. So your mammy keeps all of the information, the keeper of all your secrets, hides all the episodic events. You know what I mean? And uh, this is why brain functionality is... uh, is a, a, a big thing in, for a lot of people to, um, to really get in on because <laughs> controlling people and understanding people's consciousness and how they view the world is important, which is why they changed everything to digital because digitals well, are squares. Digital, the digital wave is all squares, cubaceous, and the, um, and the uh, analog was curvaceous. It was more curvaceous. Can I, can I chime in? Sure, please. And I only made a theory based on perception. I believe it was a week or two ago. And based on my research that I'm doing with technology, I was mm-hmm. like, yo, uh, can you please stop the conversation that you're having, black people, about we got this? And, you know, we made it, and the white man is losing power. And he's, I'm like, never that. Like, you know what I mean? You're only gassing yourself up because it's not, yeah, it's yeah. not you're not within the realms of realism. He created a new dimension in your face in real time on your watch. You know what I mean? Like, right in your face, right on your watch. And if anything, what he did when he switched from analog to digital was, he created a new dimension, a new reality, and has become king of that. You know what I mean? And black people just don't get it. Like, they really don't understand how far he has leaped on them in the past 10 years in terms of, you know, uh, how he has solidified himself for the future. Oh, not, brother, the sun is going to burn him up. Well, you you mm-hmm. stand right over there. You stand right there. And if that's what you that's if that's your damn weapon, if, if that's what you're working on, if that's what you're waiting on, stand right there. Do not stand over here with me because I'm not with you. I don't live in like that's the weakest, wackest, corniest, most uh, 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 
you like you just say you're scared, bro. Like just say you wanna just say you're ready to tap out. You know what I mean? Just say you don't have no answers or solutions whatsoever. But don't sell me that shit no more. I don't want to hear it. I, I, I'm completely over that. Like I see what's being done, and I'm like, dude, if you don't learn this digital, if you don't learn how to adapt into this digital world, if you don't learn this coding language, if you don't learn how to play these light codes into this into this this light this this digital era that that has been created, that you participate in anyway, you're the largest consumer once again. They had, he had you with sneakers. Now he got you with all kind of iPhones and tablets, and you name it. If you don't learn how to gain any power in this, it's a it's already a wrap. It's like that fourth quarter. He's up by a hundred. They took the starters. They sitting on a bench laughing. You getting dunked on. Like if you if, if the people don't figure it out, man, it's gonna be so ugly. Now I see why Negroes ain't in sci-fi movies in the future. I could tell. It happened right now, right in this dimension, when niggas dropped the ball. Well, look, look let me tell you something. We could even push it back even further, just so the the family could truly understand how, you know, forward thinking was going. Now, if we go back, let me go in here. I want to make sure that I, uh, come on. Uh, if we go back into uh, uh, well over a thousand years ago and um, we look at what was laid down in many of these scriptures, when I tell people that, uh, you know, Jesus predicted the uh, or, or, or had or had thinking towards the um, creation of what we're seeing today. Uh, at least half of the half of the idea of the females turning to males. You know, it's kind of a hard it's a it's a hard pill to swallow. You know it's what problem. I mean? You know, they're like, "Well, what are you talking about? Jesus said that." So I refer them. Just so the family, I, I will read it here. This is from the, the Gospel of Thomas, so people fairly understand what I'm talking about, forward thinking. Whether or not one subscribes to the, the existence of Jesus is not the point. The point is someone, some time ago, before we even got to the 1800s, 1900s with specific technology, laid down, laid down law because they understood a specific idea. It says here, this is 114, Gospel of Thomas. Um, Simon Peter said to them, make Mary leave us, for females don't deserve life. Jesus said, look, I will guide her to make her male so that she too may become a a living spirit resembling you males. For every female who makes herself male will enter the domain of heaven. If someone can coherently tell me what that's about, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's not domestication, I don't know what it is. They telling you. Insert. Hmm? I said insert bomb. Like we got to do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that right there 
is crazy. And then for humans, in this, also in this gospel, Thomas, Jesus, Jesus has some interesting quotes. This is Gospel of Thomas uh, 7. Jesus said, lucky is the lion that human will eat, so the lion becomes human. And foul is the human that eats, the, foul is the human that the lion will eat, and the lion still will become human. That tells you we're at the bottom of the food chain in this animal kingdom. But we think mm. we're up there. This is about respect, man. We got respect, but I can't really blame the human organism because we were domesticated that way. What we have to understand is when we look at Homo sapiens, there's Homo sapiens, and then there's Homo sapiens sapiens. When I broke down that Homo sapiens sapiens, and I u- utilized the syllable thing, I said I put homo to the side there. We know that's either the same or man. But man, when I looked it up, etymology, they said man meaning male, male and female. But when you, when you look at the word homo sapien, it is clear. It says masculine, masculine. So we know that when we talk about homo sapiens, we're talking about the males in my opinion, and the movement of men. I think the females stayed, but for the most part, it was the nomadic men going around, kind of similar to what bees do. The, the, bee, the, the drones leave the hive, and then the, the, the queen goes to uh, where the drones are and mates with a whole bunch of different, uh, uh, different species of drones and so forth. But it, I think it was similar in that, era with homo sapiens uh, and homo sapiens sapiens. Now, here's my sensibility on it as I started to apply uh, uh, a little thought. Homo is man, sapiens. So I broke it down. Sap, and then we got I-E-N. So I-E-N suffix means something like, I-A-N also means something like, but I-E-N in this instance something like, and then we have sap. So now we have something like sap. So we have man, something like sap. That's what it, that's what it is when you break it down in the syllables. When you, the way they have it defined is this, it just means the wise man. We have to ask ourselves, homo sapien means the wise man, I get it. But homo sapien sapien, the wise, wise man, I ain't buying that because I broke down the syllables and it says something like that. And you're telling me something like that, something like that. doesn't make sense. So to me, um, we're not far from the plants. We have a symbiotic relationship, and it's in the words. You can't, you can't run from the words, man. The words, words, the words are something else. And I'll tell you something else. Go on. That's right. Absolutely. Here's something else about words and domestication and alphabets and letters. I took the time to break down and apply the science of geonumerology that I spoke about earlier to uh, the alphabet. What I found interesting is these words, no, these letters, I should say, and as well as the numbers from zero to nine, are all in the range of yellow, green, and, and orange. 
very in or, the orange is the amber, but there are only few letters that are in the in the amber uh, in, in yellow range, which I found very fascinating. But most of them are in different hues of green. Again, even our alphabet is lawful, showing you oxygen, your breath, dealing with breath. You see the lawfulness, oxygen, green, breath. You have to say the words. The alphabet is the same way. Numbers, yellows, blues, and yellows. That's what you have from zero to nine. From zero to nine, you have a, a serious scenario here going on, man. It's it's a beautiful thing, man. You know what I mean? People just need to understand. Hopefully, they would understand. Not that they need to, because you, you you're in control of your own destiny um, in terms of how you want to perceive things. But you know, um, me personally, um, I I don't um, subscribe to a lot of the the framework that I used to in the past because the intelligence is too vast. You know what I mean? Even looking at the race game is different. You know, for me it's different because I'm understanding function. So if somebody says to me, well, where are white, white people? You have to really, you have to, if you people really look at people who are considered white or Caucasian, they're different hues. You can't group all of them. You have to look at them, a dark-eyed Caucasian person is different in function and in thought and sensibility than a person with blue eyes. With one caveat, depending on domestication. Where were they where were they brought up at? What did they eat? Where did they live? You know what I mean? That also plays a great part. But that means a person with darker eyes of a Caucasoid hue, uh, a so called Caucasoid hue that we do today, um, could possibly um uh, see the world, well, they'll see the world very similar to you or I with dark eyes if you have similar eye colors, just that they're recessive and they're pigment. You know what I picked up on that at? I, yes. I, I lived in Philadelphia for like um, over the summer of, I think it was 2010. Yes. And I made that observation that the Caucasians that I was coming into contact, I believe I was in North Philly. And the, the, the Caucasians that I was coming into contact, I was like, yo, these are not your, these are not the same Caucasians from New York, B. This is a whole other tribe, totally yeah. different energy, yeah. totally different frequency and everything. They're not even the same uh, Caucasians that you would find in downtown Philadelphia by where mm. um, Square, what was that, Main Street and all of these, those area, Market Square and all that. Like, I'm like, the ones up here, these are like the Eagle fans that be, you know what I'm saying, going in, like, you know, just like beating people up in the stadium and all of that. Like, these are the ones that the go-hards, you know, the the, the they're, they're like gray. They're in between. They're not black. They're not white. They're just gray. Like, it's a different breed. And... Oh. When I went to Miami over the summer, I peeped the Spaniard Caucasian, the Spaniard European, who is of Spain, Spaniard, uh, Spain descent and mm. Portugal descent, and they've mixed and mingled with the um, Ecuadorian. They mixed and mingled with the um, Cuban. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They mix and mingle all of the Latin American bloodlines and whatnot. Right. They are of a completely, totally different breed. You know, blonde hair, yeah. blue eyes, you know, green eyed and whatnot. You know, their 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 frequencies are different. They would be yeah. more of, of they would be more akin, but not in the same way to like a white Anglo Saxon Protestant, the wasp. You know what right. I mean? The the wasp right. who were in they were they were the wasp were very dominant in American politics. And all kind of those are the blue bloods of of his historical lore. They're not that much talked about anymore in terms of you know aristocracy and things of that nature, because things have you know uh, changed up when it comes to that whole European thing with the Akhenaten right, right. versus the Wasp and whatnot. But they you know, but even with the even with the European of the um, from that Latin American Spaniard aspect. They see themselves, they hold themselves as pure bloods, you know what I'm saying? They hold themselves as, you know, in a, in a very high rank. So, yeah, and then, of course, when you do the knowledge of the different um, tribes and when you do the knowledge about the whole, you know, people who watch gangs in New York with the Jews and the Irish and the Italians, because look at the Italians, dark hair, dark eyes, you know, totally different energy, totally different frequency, and we're not saying it you know, by having different frequencies and energies that, you know, because you got, I'm sure people are like falling back on each hands and, you know what I mean, like ready to jump out of the window. It's full moon tonight, family. Like, don't do it to yourself. <laughs> but we're saying um, the brother's bringing up some interesting points. And have, did you listen to the show where the good brother Ever Reese came on? No, I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear that one. So that is a much listen. It's in our archives. It was over the summertime. He he came from a Cosmo physician standpoint about I think it was the Lotus. The name of the show was the Lotus something. Blue Pill may know the title, but he okay. completely broke down the different races and elements: fire, water, air, and um and uh matter and earth. Mm-hmm. Same way that you the Avatar movie, and he spoke about. And then he went into the planetary influences, completely changed the dynamics. Like, you know, we, we we even need to convince the brother to write. I don't know. He did. He wrote something. He wrote a treatise on it, and that, that that's what compelled us to do the show. But that's something that we need to even really put into the uh, stream of consciousness of the family to help them see things. Because he brought up the Asian. He brought up the American Indian. He brought up the quote-unquote black man. And he brought up the quote-unquote white man, like you said, who is historically the colored man because he turns colors. He's not the white man. He's the original colored man. He's pink. He's red. He, he's, you know, uh, of, a, of a, a, a pinkish hue, a reddish hue, a pale hue, a completely uh, off-white hue, and all of these other. He changes color, redneck, henceforth the name redneck. He changes yeah. different um, into different hues depending on the weather and things of that nature. So he's not the white man. Because white That's is right. not. Yeah, yeah not white. I mean, people show him respect because of that red color. You can't stop it. You, see, you got to understand, at least from my standpoint, I pay a lot of respect now these days. Once I re- realize my disrespectful ways, I pay a lot of respect to oxygen and nitrogen because without them, this conversation we having wouldn't exist. The dinosaurs got wiped out when oxygen went down. 
Yo, we, we out of here. You're yeah, you can, you, yeah, yeah, go ahead. You can, you can withhold food and water from a human being for an allotted amount of time. You cannot withstand or withhold oxygen from anybody. I don't care how big and bad they think they are. I don't care how many books they might have read. I don't care what their name is. You can't That's breathe. Right. If, you, if, you, if I take your oxygen from you past five minutes, it's sayonara, adios, la vista, see you next trip. It's like you're, you're out of here. So pay, you have to pay. Right. That's exactly. You're absolutely right. You can't. You you could tell me why why when people say oh, Jesus and the Holy Trinity, I rebut. I say I respect your, your 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 viewpoint for you, but for me, I deal with hydrogen and the Holy Trinity of hydrogen. See, if we're gonna keep the if we're gonna follow in the religious doctrine, we need to cut the crap and deal with the first. Molecule that, that that stepped up to the plate, hydrogen, because hydrogen has three aspects: protium, deuterium, and tritium. And tritium, it lasts. It's very uh, uh, radioactive, and it, it lasts about I think it was uh, twelve, twelve and a half years, or eleven and a half years, maybe something reminiscent to the sun. But we have to understand. Well, one of the things in terms of, of my thought processes I had to go into was understand <clears throat> the, uh, 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 the sun. And when I looked at the sun, I found some interesting things out about the sun. But the sun educated me on something great, that all planets, uh, one can decipher their, their consciousness pretty easy. So I found a way to do that. Like, okay, how would I decipher a planet's consciousness or a star's consciousness? At least based on our tools that we have at our at our disposal. The ratio of hydrogen to helium to whatever else. And one of the reasons why we have oxygen because it's the third element on the sun and without sunspot activities, you know what I mean? Uh, and all that bubbling going on in the sun. I, it is my view, all of those discharges constantly inundating the earth, and once those particles go and they hit the magnetic field of the earth, which is trying to block it, it comes in through the, some of that comes in through the Van Allen belt or right along the equatorial line and start laying down its influence. And I think that planet Earth didn't necessarily want that influence. You know what I mean? And that's why the, you have the magnetic field. You, too much, you, and you, but by chance it is. So there are wars or battles for manipulation. I mean, uh, uh, not. I'll say there there are battles for being able to express yourself, and that, they just spew over. I think some of us are more earth based, some of us are more oxygen based, and um, plants regulate. Like you have three types of plants. Three is the three is the most three. And the number six are the two most lawful numbers. No other numbers. Actually, truth be told, there is no number greater than six. I don't care about oh. the count, compound or nothing. Huh? What, what was that? I, I said, huh? Yeah, oh, oh okay. I thought you were asking a question. Now, um, the reason why I say I mean, that. I, 
definitely ask you to expand on that. Uh, oh, you, oh, you you want to expand on it? Go ahead. Huh? I, no, I would ask you to expand on that. Oh, 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 yeah, no question. The reason why I say no number greater than six, um, the Earth is an the Earth is a hexagon shape. It's a six sided, considered a dodecahedron, meaning that any circle, like I explained earlier with the bee, when the bees can create those cells, they're circular and then they form into a hexagon shape. I saw that, I kept that in my consciousness, that circles always want to be, like I said, when they spin, they become squares because if you three-dimensionalize that, you get a cube and it becomes a hexagonal shape when you twist it at a specific angulation when you're dealing with cubes. It's really a fascinating dynamic. That being said, the reason why I say six and three are the what would be considered, in my opinion, holy numbers or as people would term it, or very lawful. I like lawful better than holy. Lawful numbers um, is because they're the only two numbers that act like uh, hydrogen. See, hydrogen is very lawful. That means it has a spiral. And when hydrogen is turning into helium, helium has some lawfulness too, and it begins to spiral. The next, when it comes into that third element, lithium, it becomes to be unspiraled. So as you go down to each element, the atoms are changing in movement so you don't get that same contract, contraction when you're dealing as you go down the elements. Now, we can find this in number play. Three, when you take three and you divide it upon itself, you get 1.5. You take 3 and you add it upon itself, you get 6. So you got 1.5 to 6. 3 plus 3 is 6. So we got 6, 3, 6, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's go to all that in your consciousness. Now let's go to 6. You take 6, you divide 6, you get 3. You add 6 on 6, you get 12, that's 3. Now, you can keep going all the way down the line, and you're going to always get 3, 6, 3, 6, 3, 6 if you start with 3, and you're always going to get it if you start with 6, 6, 3, 6, 3, 6, 3. 6 is the representation of contraction. 3 is the representation of expansion. What I just described to you was a physical or a physical representation process, love, contraction, expansion. You contract and expand on to something. When two people do that, you are now experiencing love regardless of whatever it is you're doing. That, in my opinion, is the process I call love. Because I gave you, you gave me, we both gain, so we both grow. If I give you and you don't get back, you grow, we incomplete the process, something wrong. There's a stagnation, there's unbalance in the ecosystem. So this reciprocal nature happens. Now, to me, 7, 8, and 9, those numbers deal with the fiction, light, balance, and the number 9 is a 6 upside down, 
in reverse so you get a new whatever it is you're creating. So seven, eight, and nine is the beginning of illusion, seven rays of the seven uh, rays of light in the electromagnetic spectrum. Eight is about balancing the two until you get your completed whatever it is, whatever idea, new human, new animal, new whatever. That is the process. So when I say six is the, is the greatest number, there's no number greater than six. The contraction is there. You, you've created what you wanted. Now everything else is the filler. It's all the stuff that you see around you. This is the illusionary state. And then you just go back to a six that gives us the illusion of nine. You know what I mean? Indeed, um, indeed. You know, so, so that's what's the way to, uh, that I look at these numbers in order to help me in, in research, playing with numbers, playing with the, the names, because one thing people don't understand that names don't, names not only you can look at numbers, but names also tells you uh, if a number is contracting or expanding. Um, and some some names are just pure magnetic. Some names have that electromagnetic um, uh, feel to it um, in terms of that. And this is all under the science of geonumerology. All, all letters have colors. All, 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 all words have shapes. So it's not like if, you're, if you gave a name like John and if John equals eight on, on, on the numerology uh, uh, chart or something, it's not an eight-sided shape. I've created a science that allowed me to pull out what that word would be geometrically speaking and take a two-dimensional word and turn it into a two-dimensional shape and take a two-dimensional shape and create it from pretty much off the paper. Take that two-dimensional shape, bring it out, and then show people the colors, what colors resonate, both their major colors as well as the minor influence colors down to the science because this, this game, is, for me, is, is no joke. And also to keep it lawful, to keep it uh, uh, as lawful as possible, which is much harder, is going back in reverse, taking a three-dimensional shape, turning it into a two-dimensional shape, taking that two-dimensional shape and finding the multiple words that it can, it can be or what, it, what that shape is, whatever that may be very challenging dynamic to do that. But I figured it out. It took me a year, though, to understand that science and, and, and bring it forth. But I, I, got, the, I, I got it down pat uh, pretty much, and um, I, I call it geonumerology, dealing with uh, the elements here on this planet, along with the numerology, just to read between the lines, you know, like like pi, you know what I'm saying? People are fast by pi. Most people who are into the science of pi don't realize that they're stuck in Greek philosophy of pi. You know what I mean? Most people don't recognize that most people, most civilizations have their own version of pi, and it has to be respected. There is no right way. So when you do, when you take on somebody's mathematical equation from any era, you think like them. So if you're building a pyramid on pi, then you're thinking like a, a Grecian. Because they say pi is 3.14, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the Egyptians didn't use that, 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 that equation. They, they use 3.16. That's different. 
That's a different frequency. You know, so if you ain't building on 3.16 or whatever you're doing and you're trying to capture an Egyptian style, most pyramids are done in, uh, in my opinion, uh, the, the Greek style. You know what I mean? But, you know, it is what it is. You know? <laughs> they, they can do as they see fit. You know what I mean? Just understand that's the energy you're embodying, which is actually perfect, truth be told, if you're building under that because that's the breath of the people. We're still dealing in that Rome, Greek era. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Fascinating. They still, yeah. Yeah. They still mm-hmm. doing as the Romans. Make no mistake about it. This is not okay. Kemet family. This is, if, it's, if anything, it's Egypt, which was two different frequencies. And it's wrong. Well, it's I, 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 I would disagree with you slightly on that one because what I'm looking at, let me, let me say this. I'll, I'll deal with the Rome and then I'll go back with Egypt because I had a thought. Mm-hmm. Rome, if it's true, because you see the idea, if the, the Rome, of course, didn't have a, a home at first. These, these Roman, these soldiers were running around, and they didn't have any women. They are just a bunch of, bunch of men running around, uh, probably mm-hmm. hired guns, uh, 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 an accumulation of sorts, running around. And they ended up dealing with the Sabines, called the Sabines. And that's where the terminology of rape came into play. Uh, but it's not rape the way we look at it today. It's rape because they took, they, they kidnapped the women and then they negotiated with them allegedly on, yo, you have our children, this is what, it, this is what the deal is. Now, we're going to have to look at this more, um, more closely and more detail and maybe many of the, the great researchers could maybe uh, shoot me a link. Uh, you can reach me out on Facebook at Garth Harvey. Um, if you have additional information that maybe I can look at. But if this information that I came across is true, and I can't recall the, um, it was about three different uh, philosophers of the period talked about this, but I found this very interesting. The Sabines got their women taken, so they fought with the Romans, the Romans beat them. But the philosophers said that the Romans uh, actually were descendants of aboriginals. And I was like, Anytime I think of an aboriginal, I think of Hugh, something of Hugh. Mm-hmm. If an aboriginal, if it's true that these aboriginals were tr- uh, of Hugh and then the first Romans are descendants of them, then we're going to have to, I, we're gonna have to really look at that period in time as, a, as an, an interesting turning point because we know there were people of Hugh there. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because... Are you speaking pre-Punic? Huh? Uh, uh, no, 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 not pre-Kemet. No, 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 no. See, Kemet. Now we go. We can go to pre-Kemet because no, all pre- the things that I told. Huh? I was referring to pre-Punic before the um, battle with, uh, with Hannibal and the Carthaginians. Mm. Okay. 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 No, understood. Understood. But the, the same issues to me still were there in Kemet in terms of domestication, because I, 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 I really want to move past the, the color thing for a minute and deal, and, and so we can appreciate the mindset. I think it was a mindset. And, and what, when, when we started this conversation, and I was going along 
talking about the domestication and how one set of people understood the science one way and then the other people understood the science another way and one just was able to manipulate the other and they got the upper hand over a period of time. It didn't start out that way. But... Sure. I don't want to touch your wisdom. Um, I want to let the callers know or the listeners know that the live stream is about to be cut like in 60 seconds. Caller number 347-637-2135-347-637-2135. I want to thank everybody that joined us tonight um, in this classroom. This was a profound profound lesson. Uh, please give it up for my brother, Golf. He definitely went in, you know what I'm saying, and brought up so many points. You know, I am personally got to go back. Uh, and do my research and go ahead and dig into all of the wealth of knowledge that he introduced tonight. Um, I will see everybody on Tuesday at 9 p.m. We're going to be doing another series for KTL Empowerment. Give them some links for the golf again, please. Absolutely. You can visit me at um, Um I deal with uh, bamboo pyramids. There is nothing on the planet that uh, is dealing within this realm in terms of pyramidology, if that's your uh, uh, focus in terms of dealing with a a different artistic expression in terms of pyramids uh, with uh, extreme functional energetic feel, then please uh, visit the site, myrmeditationpyramids.com. You can also uh, connect with me on Facebook. Uh, Just uh, you can put in Garth Harvey and... um, I can accept you, and then we can take it from there, you know? No doubt. Or Twitter. Indeed. You hit me on Twitter at Mur Pyramid Power. That's M-U-R. Let me, let me spell that. M-U-R, meditationpyramid.com, and Mur, M-U-R, uh, Mur, Mur Pyramid Power at, uh, on Twitter as well, too. Indeed, brother. All right. Can you continue? Sure, sure. Now, I, I took the approach on mindset. You know what I mean? I wanted to make sure that I, uh, when, when, when handling this, uh, instead of looking at black people did this, white people did this, I needed to focus in on why, mindset. Because once you look at, if, once you just look at skin color as being function, okay, that skin color has advantages. So if you take certain black people, put them in an environment that certain other hues of a lot of pigment are in, they might not function at its highest, their highest frequency because there's not enough sunlight. So the other people will have an uh, environmental advantage over them. So, again, uh, I, I had to push that to the side and just deal with mindset. And when you deal with yes, pieces, it, huh? No, I'm agreeing with you. Yes, indeed. That's why the terminology, uh, when in Rome, do as Romans do, and True. me referring to uh, the characteristics of the people today as being Roman, as you know, it's the mindset. It's not the color. It's not the pigmentation. It's not yes. you know. It's basically doing as Romans would have done. The Greco-Roman Ptolemy mind state and attitude and things of that nature. So yeah, I do. I agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. I, Look, I definitely keep it there. I, I think the priest class in, in Egypt and in all civilizations played a tremendous part because as I kept looking at uh, Kemet, since there's the most information out there about Kemet, 
all I kept seeing was, you know, priesthoods, you know, bouncing from one spot to another spot. You know, I guess when one group of people don't like something uh, that a specific uh, pharaoh or something is doing, of course you make po- uh, you make um, you make uh, uh, you make power moves. And then we have to understand that all priesthoods are businessmen. You know what I mean? That's what they are. Buddha or Buddhist monks, those are businessmen. You know, most people don't recognize that. To give you an example, the Mahabharata, not, no, no, the Kama Sutra, excuse me, the Kama Sutra. When people think of Kama Sutra, they think of sex. Oh, yeah, all the sexual positions, Kama Sutra. But actually, yes. when you go in on the document, it's a treatise on really domesticating your woman. How is she supposed to act? How is she supposed to keep the books? How is she supposed to do this? How is she going to do that? The sex part is only part of it. But the doctrine is really about, uh, about business and, uh, and domestication. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in Cambodia, when you look at Buddhist, Buddhism, here's the crazy thing. It's business. 11-year-old girls, when a girl turns 11, back then and during those periods in, in, in Southeast Asia, Buddhist monks and Taoists were utilized to break in the young lady at 11 years old. Wow. Yes. You, that, you, you, they were used to break them in. And, and if, uh, sometimes rich families pay for poor families to have their you know, children broken in. And when you think about it from that perspective, again, that's domestication because you have Buddhist monks uh, they're taught in a specific fashion, uh, and they understand things at a different clip than the average folks. So you are easily, if I, if I was setting up a domesticating system, you want to continue to filter in people as you, and get them drawn in how you see fit. And what better way to do it is through sexual intercourse, one of the best ways to do it. And domestication, it just follows through how, it just doesn't stop, man. Like domestication is just like it's through the roof, man. You can look through anything, anything in history. You find domestication. Even women domesticating men uh, in China. In China during the Shang Dynasty, the Shang and the Child Dynasty, the women were called the great initiators of sex, and men were their uh, what they call them, like pretty much like a sorry little pupil, you know. So they were being educated. You know what I mean? And a woman's essence, how a woman controls a, a man is through his heart. And one thing that people don't understand, and when I ask women, I ask them, are you brain-loving or are you heart-loving? And if you say you're heart-loving, how do you know you're heart-loving? Because if you've never identified your heart, you'll never know that you're heart-loving. You know what I mean? So, again... Heart loving, and the reason why I say that is because heart also emits, it has neurons on the heart, and it also emits uh, oxytocin. Actually, the heart is 100 times more electromagnetic than the brain. So when you speak from your heart, you will be able to captivate the crowd and at a larger spectrum, you know, and the, the minimal distance, the minimal distance that was accounted for was uh, I think it was like 50, 50 to 100 feet, somewhere in that range. So imagine at 50 to 100 feet, if you you project out that far, 
you know, and if you're really good, you'd be ejected out even further. But if you can even go that far from speaking from your heart, yeah. that's a powerful thing. You know what I mean? And, definitely and that is. Definitely gives a different dynamic for women in breastfeeding. You know what I mean? And understanding when you're, are you just doing this? Oh, let me just give it a breastfeed. And that's, that's brain loving. When I say brain loving, meaning how you were structured and how what you see, what these uh, radiation devices like, you know, our TVs and, and computers and phones, you know, do to us, uh, it structures our brain on how to, to love. And we don't follow the instinct of the heart, which is the balance in the organism, if you ask me, between the brain and the gut. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, so it's an interesting <laughs> dynamic. Yeah, interesting as well. Um, some of the studies that I've done in the left-hand path mm-hmm. speak of some of the sciences that you were bringing up where yeah. it speaks of Kiva energy and, mm-hmm. you know, the domestication of the man, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, going yeah. back to the uh, imagery that we see of Kali, where mm-hmm. she is, you know, prostrating over the man's palace with the 50 skulls around her neck, and he's laying in mission with the mm-hmm. penis, you know what I'm saying, not on top of her, not dominating her, but he's in, he's in um, you know, he's in... Uh, submission to his God, the the, the mm-hmm. Yoni, you know what I mean? You know, the, the power of the Yoni, the power of that Stargate, you know, uh, it's great submission to the Great Mother and basically, you know, um, base, you know, being able to satisfy her, you know, mm-hmm. being able to satisfy her. So that, that was the way that uh, she, you know, basically was able to stop her destructive path, you know, sure. was the release of those orgasms and things of that nature, you know, mm-hmm. but it was on, it was, and it, he had to have a strong, uh, that goes into, you know, man being able to control his lower self and being focused and having a iron, you know, iron will so he could even please uh, such a, a um, you know, the devourer, you know what I mean, such a um, powerful being such as Kali. Whatnot and, and enable her to have multiple orgasms. Well, yeah, you 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 absolutely correct. You know, uh, it, it's interesting, uh, and, and, and I engage a lot of women in these kinds of dialogues, and I tell them, you don't understand that your clothes have domesticated you. Clothing has domesticated the female. Females. Are, are, are I oftentimes say that women are the most insane beings on the planet. Not that men ain't insane, but I say that for a reason because what has happened to them <clears throat> has been a very long time in terms of the, the bust down. And throughout history, I started noticing more and more and more this, this breaking down of the feminine principle. Yeah, like in, again, I lo- I love Cambodia. That is probably one of my favorite places because it's a tremendous country to visit, and the architecture and the science and the mathematics actually of the temples actually helped me out immensely in in a lot of my thought processes that I was able to bring forth. But beautiful. But it's uh, 
extremely powerful about this story um, is like uh, the story of Li Yu, where there was um, uh, see ancient ancient Cambodia was called Funan by the Chinese. Um, that wasn't what they called themselves, and um, there were there was a a a, a, um, a woman that they called Li Yu, and um, she was very aggressive, and all the people there went naked and everything like that. And I can't remember the guy's name, particular guy he worshipped. They say he worshipped the genie. And this specific genie loved the fact that this guy worshipped him so much mm-hmm. that he came to the guy in the dream and he said, you know, you get up, you're going to get this bow and this arrow, and then you're going to take this boat and you're going to go. So he got up in the morning and he walked to this tree and he saw the bow and the arrow and he got on this boat and he went. And as he was about to arrive on shore, Lin Yu saw this uh, guy coming, so she started firing arrows at him, never hitting him. He fired one. It pierced straight through the tree. Then she submitted and bowed to him. He, disgusted by the fact that she walked around naked and had her hair out, put a cloth over her, had her hair up, and that's how they say the people in that area started wearing clothes in the domestication of women. So I tell women oftentimes that they need to walk around in order to try to remember some semblance of their nature if they can, if their home construct allows them to be naked, then just so do so. Then I mean, the same thing with males too, and, and I think women need to walk more because that kundalini energy, that lumbership energy, that worm energy that I was talking about earlier on, they need to, that bipedal movement, that walking, we don't do that anymore because the construct is tearing us up, trying to, you know, really connect with yourself, but you've got to move to excite that, 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 that uh, cyclical nature that some people have. Other people have uh, intermittent nature when you watch them walk. In 2011, I spent, I spent about a month going into the city just watching women walk. And you'll see of all different hues, some of them have a, a, a more, uh, uh, how you say, high, hydrogen-based movement, meaning that it moves in a nice rhythmic pattern. Other people are mm-hmm. intermittent in their movements. And when I'm looking, and I'm looking at their waist. So you can see the lawfulness in how a female walks. It's, it's, a, it's an incredible thing. And men can always tell. If a man is really in tune with himself, he can um, put his hand over the woman's womb, and a woman could never, it's almost like a lie detector test. If a man is in tune and he's able to yeah. feel, then he'll be able to feel her energy shift. The same thing for males as well, too. If a woman wants to understand if her mate is uh, not answering questions in a, uh, in a so trustful manner, all she needs to do is put her hand over his testicles. Now, she doesn't necessarily have to touch them. Just, you know, three inches, three to six inches over, depending on her ability to feel, and she'll be able to feel his problem or whatever issues he has, because men hold their problems in their testicles and women in their womb. You know, so mm. 
it's, it's a deep thing. It's real deep. It's real deep. So definitely do that. And take care of your blood, too. Since we we just going in, uh, uh, I would say this. Well, the blood is important, but what I do is <clears throat> I um, – I use sea moss uh, for non, the blood and and, the, and and my gut to replenish that ancient back, the good probiotic bacteria. Sea moss does a hell of a job, and not the powder sea moss I use because I use the powder sea moss. But for this, it, I, I, I use this particular technique of taking um, uh, uh, sea moss and putting it in a glass of water. I, I, I make my own water, so I put it in water and let it sit for 30 seconds. Now, that salt that dissipates off of that sea moss, that dry sea moss, actually um, would be considered uh, uh, like marine plasma by some scientists. Uh, people can go in on a, a gentleman by the name of Rene Quinton, who's done some interesting research on that, on marine plasma and actually utilizing the science to remove the blood from a dog and then replace it with the marine plasma. And he found that this worked. And so much so, it, it has been said that uh, they used, utilized his, his philosophy on the French army back in the days in terms of uh, as a blood supplement by utilizing marine plasma. So that's the reason why I do it, you know, um, in terms of that. And, and that was building with my uh, my younger brother. He actually brought that uh, research to me. So I have to thank him in terms of that. And then um, dealing with the sea moss because um, I, I normally get uh, – there's a sea moss that I found on eBay. I don't know. I, I kind of resonate with this specific sea moss. I'm trying to remember the name of it, too. But for those who are interested, if you are on Facebook, as I'm trying to remember the name of the sea moss here, um, that, that I purchased, if it's something that you're, you're interested in, just either hit me on Facebook or and I can send you a link because I got it off of eBay. Um, I think it's... Uh, uh, the, uh, it was like uh, it has a, it has a Caribbean feel. So my parents are from Caribbean, so I, I was drawn to it. But I've had results now for like a year using it. So um, and not that I didn't with others, but I don't know. Maybe it's different. I don't know. But um, I'm not sure where you got the CMOS from. But needless to say, you take a piece, a small piece off, put it in water, you drink it. Um, Is this a gel or the powder? Huh? No, it's uh, the actual the, the weed. The dry weed. Oh, that's the weed. Okay. Yeah, the, the actual weed. I use the I use the weed. Uh, the powder I use for um, uh, 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 you know drinking and making smoothies. But the weed to get the salt the salt process for the high content of uh, or the similar content of blood. You know what I mean? In order to uh, uh, help uh, replenish one with it, bacteria, bacteria and and cleaning out the blood, separating the um, the blood cells too. You know what I mean. You want to separate out some blood cells, and they use that in hospitals. So we understand they use that saline water when they're giving you those IVs, and that's how people yes, come back. Do. 
You know, so yes, they do. Yeah, so it's it's another way of giving yourself a personal ID. So I use I use this uh, uh, this uh, particular brand. I don't know if anybody's interested, but this is just something that I wanted to throw out there, just in case they are. If they they you know some people like to use the same brands that they hear people talk about. So. Um, uh, and it's called uh, Mr. Seamoss. That's what it was. There it is. Thank you. I don't know. I had something else in my head, but it's called Mr. Seamoss on eBay. If you look it up, and if you forget, you can always. Uh, 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 How you spell that? Uh, Mr. M R, and it's Seamoss. Okay. I was just playing devil's advocate because somebody would be like, "How you spell that?" Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No. 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 You're right. Yeah. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, man. But it's deep, man. Human domestication theories, family. Hopefully, you know, people can find some of the things here tonight useful in their research. And feel free. I'm open for the dialogue. Just uh, you can hit me up on Facebook. Uh, any questions? I know we had a technical difficulty, so we couldn't get the questions in. But, you know, if you have questions. Yeah, and, you know, you could, the family, you could leave questions on, um, the uh, no on the no Ledger radio under the uh, you know under the show right in the question box you know yeah. what I mean and it will direct it to the brother as well apologize for no the uh, difficulties and whatnot you know what I mean but you no know worries, no worries no I, 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 I totally understand it happens yeah. man I just look once we go through so many things in in our lives and stuff like that you just roll with the punches and how it goes we still I felt the dialogue was good, you know what I mean? Uh, I enjoy the opportunity that uh, both you, Blue and Red, have put forth to give people like myself an opportunity to share. Because that's what it is for me, giving, my, giving, giving a little bit of myself to people. And then if it can help people, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I look forward to building and, uh, uh, and, and getting in front of people for this geometry to show them <laughs> what the, the new era of geometry will look like um, in the very near future, you know, because um, uh, I, I did Temple University last year. I bought some things out, and I never did anything in Philly, and I was surprised that a lot of people showed up for that one too, you know. So uh, I, was, I was really surprised because uh, I, I don't do many lectures, so when people ask me to come out, I think uh, – uh, they were pleasantly surprised with, with the information. And uh, hopefully I get an opportunity to uh, go back again uh, this year if my time allows me to do it, or I'll make the time to do it because uh, the response out there in Philly, the people just have a kind of a, uh, they have a very different spirit that I, you know, don't really encounter too much. And I kind of appreciated the love from the elders to the young folks. Yeah, I love Philly. No, uh, man. You know, so definitely, definitely, definitely. But any questions, man, you can ask me anything. I'll go ahead. I, I don't know if I missed out on anything. Nah, I, I've, I mean, nah, for the most part, you know, you, you definitely covered a lot of uh, lot of information. You know, um, I was pleased with the presentation. You know, the whole worm thing is pretty, you know, it, it's, it's an expansion on what the brother Blue has been sharing with the family, oh. and I I have to go and do some further research on that sure. whole uh, 
the worm information. It's very interesting. Um, I did want to add on. I didn't want to cut you off. There's a book called 1493 that adds on to the to the information that you were sharing about the Europeans bringing their worms over here to um, basically take over, you know, the soil. They 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 definitely did that, and you know, they um it was responsible for destroying a lot of South American crops in Peru and the Andes, yeah. not but more so in the in, on the on the shores of the Americas, North America, with that whole tobacco and um things of that. But in I believe in Peru it was a tomato. Mm. And uh the tomato was imported into into um the tomato was imported into uh, Ireland. You know, what I mean, they had the great famine and whatnot. And the um, there were some instances of the worms from South America destroying the mm-hmm. crops and all. That. And this gave the rise to what we know as you know all of the um, what you call it, uh, with, with with them basically using the chemicals and the toxins. To kill off all of these, you know what I mean? All of these uh, worms and all of, you know, all of that, all of the stuff that's taking place now and whatnot. So that book is very interesting. Also, a book by the name of Guns, Germs, and Steel. Let me write that one down. Yeah, Guns, Germs, and Steel, and it speaks about how the European conquered the Americas with guns, germs, and still, and that also yeah. in that book it also speaks of the um, the domestication of the soil. Well, yeah, they they've been domesticating too. Here's something for people to, uh, to 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 really think about in terms of technology, alchemical ingenious. Have you ever heard of the dancing plague? Of the Have what? you ever heard of that? The dancing plague. The dancing plague. Oh no, like, uh, yeah. In nineteen, I don't know. It was fifteen. I think it's fifteen fifty-eight. Um, in Europe, I forgot the name of the town, but it happened in twenty other places. But this is the most documented places. People were dying, dying from dancing. They really don't know what it was. You know what I mean? That took place, but they were dancing uncontrollably, and um, they died from exhaustion. But what I found really interesting is, and this is where, as a domesticator. If you're going to look to domesticate and you want to try something out, you try it out on poor people. In all of these instances, I know that another country, it was a bunch of European countries pre-15, I think 15, it's either 1555 or 1558, but a bunch of other European countries and Tanzania, you know what I mean, as well, all had this dancing plague, and the last one happened in 1555. People could look that up, and you look that up online, and it's the dancing plague, and these people just danced till. Many of them died, and they died of exhaustion. They don't really know what the place is. If you ask me, someone who is a very good alchemist, either one or two things happen: either a human that was practicing something, or these people and the trees that they were contained in. Also, because the people don't, most people don't recognize that trees, like the acacia plant in Africa. 
it will kill the animals because the animal was gluttonous. So if it's eating too much off the plant, the plant will be like, okay, I'm going to change my frequency and emit a poison. A poison. A poison. Ahead. Huh? Yeah, a poison. Yeah, they, yeah, they'll emit that poison in order to get it to get it out of you and kill them. And it's just really fascinating when you think about it. Like, yo, we at least let me not push push my sensibilities on anybody else. When I was uh, looking at this stuff, I would I would never think that a plant was doing anything. You can hit the plant and do all this other stuff. You just think it's a plant and it's an inanimate object. No feelings or no no thought processes. Most definitely not. And, and also, too, while we had it now, now that uh, I, I have the thought, um, we could touch a little bit on, um, you see, they, they, all this dumping in, uh, of uh, material in oceans and all the stuff that's been going on with oils, uh, oil spills and things to that nature. It got me wondering because um, there's a guy named Paul Stamets. Uh, have you ever heard of him? No, what's that? He, he's uh, this guy that works with mycelium, which is the, the, the neural networking of fungi that run underneath the ground. The largest um, uh, mycelium patch is over 2,400 acres in Oregon. Impressive site. But what he's, what he's done is utilized mycelium to sop up oil spills. And utilizing this uh, mycelium, it sops it up. In a matter of a couple weeks, it starts taking something that would be toxic and turning it into organic life. Wow. Yeah, deep. I got that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You look up his information. And you know what else is interesting, too, is if mycelium can do that, and this is, this, is, this is, I want people to think about what I'm saying. If mycelium can do that, and it has a long history on this planet, and keep in mind that fungi, plants, and animals are clones. And ocean, you have Monera and Protesta and a bunch of cyanobacteria that are highly intelligent have been on this planet for a long time. If one was domesticating, and you're trying to get the masses to see, uh, oh, they're, they're, and go into hysteria, oh, they're doing this to the planet, they're doing that to the planet, which is true, they are doing it. But those same animals are, uh, and organisms are transforming those oils into something else. So there's going to be loss of life, as we're seeing, but they're transforming. And I just want people not to lose sight of the transformation of these organisms, I mean, of these organisms actually creating something new. No, yeah. I'm you know, it's, um, and it's moving efficiently. How fast, if, if the mycelium is doing this in a couple of weeks, some of these oceans might be brand new in a couple of weeks. But I don't know. I wouldn't bet on trying to eat some of these things in there. But again, it's just something to think about when we think about domestication theory, how if you're a good at alchemy, you know that I, I, if I'm good at alchemy, I can say, hey, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get a desired result, and people will be shocked. And, oh, oh man, they're doing it crazy, this, that, and the other. And we're focused on 
the actual event. And they're saying they're sitting there laughing. They say, okay, cool. We know that this is going to happen. It's going to take us a certain amount of time. These people ain't going to be the wiser. They ain't going to know nothing. We just keep it moving. We move in the same way. Just like most people don't know that we're in an ice age. We're, we're still in an ice age. We think we're out of the ice age, which is why I kind of fall on the side of the fence of people. When they talk about global warming, it's not global warming, in my opinion at least, based on uh, man-made things. And we're doing a lot, but the output is not enough. Um, this is a natural thing that is going to take place. But if people don't understand the rules of engagement, then you could think that, oh, it's global warming and we're not in an ice age. But there's a plethora of uh, scientists out there that one could go in and do their research and you'll see a, a fantastic amount of um, uh, peer-reviewed research on the topic of global warming, uh, the so-called global warming. There's people on one side, people on the other side, and really just think about um, this whole dynamic of domestication that I spoke about here tonight, and then you apply that sensibility. It's a, it's a possibility that this is going on. In my mind, it's a very strong possibility, and that's where I lean to. But for other people, you know, do the, do, do, do the mathematics on it and if it works with you, outstanding. If it's not, then it's something that you can fall back on in the event that uh, whatever you subscribe to doesn't actually work out for you, you know what I mean, in terms of trying to rationalize. But to me, a lot of these things here are done to manipulate <laughs> individuals and, and get us looking in other directions, wars in other directions. And I'll tell you something else about wars and what people don't think about. When you kill somebody and they die in that soil, they become part of that organic matter. Keep in mind, you're creating the environment. That's why I, when I said earlier people have to learn how to die, learning how mm-hmm. to die <clears throat> is the skinny on, on learning how to die. Learning how to die, meaning that you're in control of every moment, even under duress, because if you go in, and your cells and, and a lot of the, uh, all of the little neural networking are under a duress state, it is my understanding that the, uh, once you go back into the ground, you're still, you still laid out a, um, a blueprint to keep that energy still there resonating with the soil. So imagine hundreds and thousands of people being killed in a specific area when you go there, you just like, damn, this, this place can feel like death and sorrow. Mm-hmm. People in that part of the organic soil, man, it's, it's deep, you know. And it's deep, so that, that's definitely something I think uh, folks, at least just give it a thought. If it works, great. But I, I'm really open for any dialogue or any questions well, I'm hopeful that people leave some in, in the KTL box, and uh, I can definitely dive in and uh, dialogue with folks. No doubt. I'm sure they will. I have faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So whatever you want to do, you want me to keep talking, we can uh, close it up, whatever works. Oh, yeah. Now, we're going to close it out for the night. Um, yes, sir. You know, definitely have enough for the archives. And uh, I don't know, it's Brother, I don't know, Blue, you with us? 
I know the brother just got into town. Yes, sir. So I'm not sure okay. if he's still with me. But, um, yeah. Yeah, no question. Yeah. Um, once again, I, I definitely appreciate the opportunity to come on and, and have me share on the, on the big stage here. And uh, I hope Blue enjoys his uh, trip out there with the um, uh, stones and stuff. And I didn't even really touch on the stones, but I'll come back. That's another, another uh, that's, that's a whole other show. The whole science of the uh, of the stone game is crazy, but uh, we could deal with that at, uh, at another time. Uh, I do have some things, some real profound things that have not have have not been um, introduced to to her, not just the the, uh, the melanated family, but the the planet. So I, I do have a couple things that uh, I I have in store in the coming months. So. Uh, well, I definitely will keep you guys informed on what I'm doing and um, ready to come back and share and do that. Indeed, brother. Can't wait. Absolutely. So, I do want to say thank you for your presentation and your demonstration tonight. We look forward to our future presentations with you. I also look forward to the family's questions and comments and concerns. We will definitely be um, in contact with you and let you know, you know, what's going on. So, um, Excellent. everybody that's with us tonight, I want to say uh, love and light. Have a wonderful weekend. Safe. Uh, if you're going to bet on the Super Bowl, bet safe. You know what I'm saying? Don't, <laughs> don't put the college fund or the mortgage on the line. You know, be be responsible. Um, everybody that's doing an event this weekend. You know, have the best event possible. And we will see you on Tuesday at 9 o'clock. All right? Same time. Same back chat. Peace. All right?